I feel like we're getting institutionalized, you know? I, well, yeah, I mean, it does feel like that, right? I mean, like you're kind of locked up, but uh don't have to get up early anymore. So that's good. And uh, basically the entire family appreciates that. Even the dogs have gotten into that routine now. Um, mm. The big dog, he won't get, I mean, he doesn't get up before nine. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good for a dog, really. That's that is well. He's old now. I mean, both of them are old. Uh, They're both twelve. But yeah, he's he does not see the need to be to be up and around. He basically gets up when he has to go. Like when he has to go to the bathroom, he gets up and he's like in a big hurry too. He's a typical. He's a typical old man. Yeah, he's like, oh, I gotta go to the bathroom and I gotta go right now. I do think that is part of why dogs are so great. Is is they are very much like people in that way, in that they 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 age in similar ways. Like, Mm -hmm. "Ah, I don't need that, (laughs) right? Right, right. Like, there's just a whole bunch of stuff in life that, as you get older as a person, you're like, ah, I don't need that. I don't need to put yeah. up with that. That's why old people, you know, the older you get, the more curt you are with bad service, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And and he makes a lot of noises like getting up and getting down like like I do. So <laughs> <laughs> it's just, oh, oh, my hip. Ah. <laughs> I remember with my childhood dog who lived, I, I believe he died when I was in college. So he lived a long time. Chester, he, 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 and he was, I mean, like vicious to the mailman. I mean, like, I know <laughs> all dogs hate the mailman, but I mean, this, he was nuts. And there were times when he'd get real old and I'd come home from college and there'd be times where he'd be sleeping and the mail would come and he'd, he'd get out, he, he'd perk his head and he would, you could see the anger because he, he, and he was like a, you know, they don't call them rescue dogs anymore, but we got him from somebody in a trailer park. You know, it, it's, you know, he wasn't, uh, you know, he was like a total mixed breed poodle, yeah. peek a poo thing. Had a bad underbite. And and, mm-hmm. when, and when he'd get angry, the underbite would get worse because, you know, he'd, he'd grit his teeth. He'd get up and grit and he'd ah, screw it. <laughs> <laughs> that seems like a lot of trouble. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. expend the energy. It's it's sort of like he was saying to the mailman, you know. <laughs> Just reminding him. Did you ever hear that? Hey, Carl. Hey, Carl, I'm still here. Oh, oh man, we got a lot to talk about. Can you believe that uh, old Trumpy's out of office? This is the first post-Trump <laughs> episode of the talk show. Is that right? It is. Wow. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I did one with uh, Montero after yep. a, a sort of uh, – uh, you know, there was like a little insurrection, little. <laughs> there was an incident. <laughs> there was an incident. Yeah, but old Trumpy was still in office, and now he's out. And man, do I feel better. Ugh. Oh yeah, another. I mean, yeah, I like I was talking about sleeping. I mean, it's true. I mean, really, what I was doing was staying in bed. I wasn't sleeping much. Do you have any? Now, idea? I'm, now I'm sleeping. <laughs> and it is true. There are so many things that have gone on in the last year. I would say over the four years of Trump, but but. You know, 2020 in particular will be remembered. <laughs> it's the most memorable of the four Trump years for sure. Yeah. Uh, but I, I've, it's like been an obsession of mine recently is the way that we as human beings convince ourselves that we can intellectualize certain things, but it's not the same thing as actually experiencing them. Like, it's like mm-hmm. you know that war is vicious and bad and violent and that it's gruesome and horrible. But if you see pictures of it, it hits you in a way. Right. And it's like, um, 
you know, like when those those pictures of the Abu Ghraib uh, prison in the Iraq situation, fifteen some years right. ago, came right. out. You you could you could hear a description of those photos and be appalled and outraged, but the because the pictures actually leaked, it it was worse. It shouldn't be. In theory, we should be able to be fully outraged through the intellectual aspect of it, but we're not. You know, we're animals right. at a certain sense. Yeah. We knew that it would be better when we had a president who we didn't have to check if he tweeted something every morning. Well, yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, also just having him deplatform from Twitter, as you guys talked about, is huge, right? I mean, because you imagine what he'd be saying right now. Now, you know, and I don't, and I had him muted. I mean, I think I had blocked him, you know, from day one, but, uh, you you still couldn't get away from it. People would like screen capture, tweet, retweet. I mean, they would do like, there's any number of ways that they can, other, other people can force you to see the idiotic things that the president is saying. And it was exhausting. <laughs> it, 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 I knew I'd sleep better, but I, man, do I sleep better? Like, do you, <laughs> here, we're recording on Saturday. Do you have any idea what Joe Biden is up to right now? <laughs> I have no idea. None. I don't. Though I do turn into the, tune into the news conferences now, the oh, press conferences. Aren't they great? Because it's just such a, you know, it, it like, oh my God, there's, there's competence. That's so, because that's also relaxing. It's just, it's delightfully boring. That is exactly the word though. It's competence, right? And it's like, even yeah. if you don't agree on certain of the policies, it's like, isn't it nice to have competent people talking about these things uh, uh, and giving answers that aren't screaming? <laughs> Yeah, yelling, yeah. confrontational. That's right. You know, right. sometimes hurt. I mean, there, and there are still things I worry about, of course, <laughs> because the GOP is not is not really improved. I mean, they're they're doubling down on the same stuff that they've been saying for the last two and a half months, and <laughs> and I just I don't see this ending in a good place. But uh, at least we're not in the same crappy situation we were in. Uh, back in the fall. All right, and like listening to Fauci talk now, it's like, I mean, how did how, how did that guy skate through? I, it's really <laughs> remarkable. I mean, and again, I'm not saying that that even Fauci in particular is without blame, and that there were you know certain mm-hmm. policies and aspects like with the masks and stuff early in the in the pandemic where where he was wrong. Uh, he's not perfect. Like that that again, yeah. it's like one of the things that's so obvious is it, the worst thing in our media culture that you can be is wrong about one thing, one time, really obviously. Like if you're mostly right and then you make one mistake, then it's like there's this giant pile on as opposed to other people who are wrong every single time they open their mouths. Like that Larry Kudlow guy, just talk about, you know, something (laughs) that guy is wrong about everything, everything. He, (laughs) Right, it, it, it's yeah. like oh well, you know the CDC and Fauci made made some pretty bad mistakes in their messaging on face masks early on in the pandemic, and but it's like okay, they were wrong, you know, mistakes happen, yeah. but for the right. most part, they're right. But Fauci looks he looks five years younger. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you heard that comment he made in like his first press conference about. He said he asked him some question. And he, he said, "I really, I don't know the answer to that." And, and then he, he said something along the lines of, "Like one of the differences between the previous administration and this administration is when we don't know the answer, we're going to tell you, and we're not just going to make something up." Right. Which is so. It, it's that was I. 
and in particular, and he's like, and we're going to let science and medicine guide all of our answers and policies. And that's a big yeah. change. And it's like, yes. Not, not, what, not whatever makes the president look good. <laughs> right. And it's like, I, I think we all knew that what, what makes the president look good or just what the president wants to hear or the way he wants it to be. And that's what he wants you to say versus what we actually think to the best of our knowledge scientifically and medically is the difference in messaging. But that, that I don't know part to mm-hmm. me was was not clear while Trump was in office but I suspected it but that Fauci coming out and saying that I don't know was an unacceptable answer during the last mm-hmm. administration is so important you know it's like so many people in so many fields like will just bullshit if they don't know cuz they feel like I don't know makes them look bad it's better to bullshit than right. say it I don't know is like once you accept it and you're like when you don't know just say I don't know it is. It's yeah. life changing. It is like one of my top ten tricks for life. Is yeah. embrace. It's the, it's the same thing. It's the same thing. I think you've said this before, and other people have as well. But Trump is a poor person's idea of a rich person, right? And he's you know, and he's also like a <laughs> dumb person's idea of a smart person, right? Very true. Because he's nothing but confident, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, anyway, I feel good. <laughs> I do. I really do. <laughs> I feel better. Let's put it that uh, way. I do feel. I, <laughs> I feel, feel better. a lot better. Uh, my folks have a uh, vaccine uh, appointment for Tuesday. Oh, nice! Uh, which is a huge relief. Uh, and what a hassle! Oh my god, what a mess this whole vaccine thing is. But yeah, and my my dad is eighty three. My mom is seventy five. They they should be. You know, it should not be hard for them to get scheduled for this but it was a mess i mean and thank god they were diligent about it like my mom like had to work the phone for days because you know they'd be like okay here's the number to call and it eh, 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 because it was yeah it was like overwhelmed and they were like they got they got an email like some parts of the system worked like some part of the uh healthcare system that they're in sent sent them both an email that said okay you're eligible now for a vaccine and you can go to this website and the website crashed you know and it's like i'm you know and i'm only talking on the phone i can't prove it but then like they said like the next day the paper came out and said oh yeah the website crashed (laughs) just terrible uh so i'm relieved about that i figure i feel like i don't think yet my parents don't haven't had it yet and they're old they're uh, 87 ish, 86, 87. And they're in, but they're in Florida. And I just assume the whole system is completely screwed up. in Florida. <laughs> well, Florida has a thing where there are people who are flying in from other parts of the country to get the vaccine because it's like, you don't have to be a Florida resident. I, I, this, it's just the exact sort of thing that has right. to come top down yeah. Uh, instead of bottom up and the Trump right, administration, right. I mean, each state having their own system is bananas. Well, and then each state delegates it to like the county levels. Like that's, the, yeah. that's who my parents are dealing with. It's a county level issue here in Philly. It's the city and you know, uh, it's a mess. It's horrible. You know, we're like a national uh, disgrace because somehow the city hired, uh, do you see this story? <laughs> I'll put a link in the show notes. I got a link it from Daring Fireball, but even Colbert had a whole segment on it last night. Where the the city hired some some outfit called Philadelphia COVID Fight, and they got like a, a sort of a Rockyish logo, and apparently they ran a testing site 
earlier in the year that was somewhat successful. And so they somehow got a contract from the city to help administer vaccines. But the C- I, I'm not making this up. The CEO of the company is a kid from Drexel who's 22 years old. They're all college students. None of them, uh, nobody, in the, nobody in the company has any medical expertise at all. Nobody's a doctor. They're all like 20. And they, they started taking appointments from people, turning people away at the door. There were senior citizens who, who had these appointments. They're crying out in the street because they won't be let in. And then it turned out that all these, these 19 and 20, 21 year old kids were just giving each other the vaccines and they're not, they're not even nurses, or doctors. <laughs> I mean, oh I, you, you couldn't make this up. I did up. not see that. Oh, you could, you can't make it up. It's, and everybody is like, how did this happen? Like somebody's head is going to roll in the city because people are, I mean, tempers are short. That, that is, yeah. people, you know, people are at the end of their freaking ropes. <laughs> Bad. I don't know. I, I don't expect to get the vaccine until like I'm, I, yeah. I'm 85. <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think I'm going to get mine until late spring, early summer. All right. For sure, I would imagine. I mean, I you know, I'm in my fifties. You'd think I'd be like <laughs> have a decent chance of getting it, but I don't go anywhere. Like I don't, I don't need to be anywhere in particular. Yeah. So, well, like the, the, yeah, the, I would imagine that puts me down <laughs> down a few notches. Yeah, the city did does have, if city of Philly does have a sign up form where you can get like on some kind of list. And I'm not quite sure how it works, but my own doctor sent it to us and said, you know, you should sign up here. I don't know, you know, what's going to come of it, but everybody should sign up. And so I signed up and, you know, it's like, what's your name? What's your address? What's your age? And it's like, do any of these apply to you? And there's a list of like 30 things. And they're clearly all things that would make you more likely to get it. Like, are you a healthcare worker? Are you a first responder? Do you, you know, um, you know, do you, are, are you morbidly obese? Do you have, uh, it, mm-hmm. there's not a single thing on the list that I even vaguely <laughs> possibly even like squint your eyes and look on the horizon could possibly claim to qualify for. You could pull a Homer Simpson and just start eating. I know that's, <laughs> that was my <laughs> joke to Amy. I was like, let's start nothing but carbs. <laughs> that's why you had the big pasta meal last night. Yeah, time, right? exactly. <laughs> um, all right, let me take a break and thank our first sponsor. Oh man, do I love this company. Mac Weldon. Look, there's oh, probably yeah. a lot of a lot of things you'd like to leave behind in 2020. One of the most important being your old underwear drawer. If you're rolling into the new year with the same bunching, chafing, uncomfortable underwear, then you've got to check out Mac Weldon. Mac Weldon. That's where they started. Underwear essentials, they call them. Undershirts, underwear, socks. Anyway, they're great. It's a great thing. Just take all. You know what's a great tip? Just take all of your old socks, throw them the hell out. Buy all new socks all at once, wear them evenly, and then you you don't have like ah, half a collection of old socks, some medium socks. This it, it, Buying your socks in bulk and then just wearing them, it's a great tip, life tip. I love Mack Weldon stuff. Uh, don't even get me started on their slippers. Oh, my God, the slippers. I got the slippers on right now. I'm wearing them. I, they're great slippers, and they last long. The problem for me is I wear them 18 hours a day every day because I don't leave the house. But it's freezing cold here in Philadelphia. My feet are toasty warm, very comfortable, thanks to their amazing slippers. Uh, every time I, I, I pump these slippers on, on, on this show, they sell out. So if you're interested in a great pair of slippers, 
Oh, go go check them out immediately as you listen to the podcast because they might sell out. But I love them, and and they're the type of slippers you can kind of just slip your feet into them without tucking over the heel. But they do have a little heel in the back, so it's you know for safety's sake. So like me, you don't like a clutch fall down the stairs or something like that because your slippers are falling off. I love it. They've got everything though: hoodies, polos, active shorts. Everything looks great, feels great. They've got advanced technology. Don't even get me started on this stuff. But seriously, they it, they call them uh, air knit, dry knit, warm knit. Their underwear is made out of this uh, these fabrics that are supposed to be anti anti uh, microbial. Microbial makes sure it, it. What they mean is you're not going to stink, uh, and right. it's true. I think it works. They're great in the summer. They're great in the winter. I've got a hoodie from them that I wear every time I get chilly. I just. Uh, you know, because I'm getting to be an old man. I don't turn up the heat. You know what I do? I put another layer on, and I've got this hoodie from them. <laughs> You're not paying to heat the neighborhood. Exactly. It's true. I don't know what happens. I don't. Something biological kicks in at some point in your 40s, <laughs> and and then I look at the thermostat. I'm like, who turned this up? Just put another layer on. And I'm like, my God, you really do turn into your father as you get older. Anyway, yeah. uh, Mac Weldon, they've got this totally free loyalty program. You don't have to do anything. Level one gets you free shipping for life. Once you reach level two, and you get to level two by spending just 200 bucks on clothes. Once you get there, you get 20% off every order for the next year. You could buy some stuff now, get to $200. And then come springtime when it gets warm, buy some more stuff for the summer and you'll get 20% off every single thing you order. And you don't have to like do anything except buy the stuff. It is a fantastic deal. The loyalty program is wonderful. And if you don't like, if you buy the underwear, here's their guarantee. First pair of underwear you buy, you don't like them, you can keep them. Don't send your used underwear back to Mac Weldon. They don't want them. <laughs> but they'll still refund you. No questions asked. Now, you can also get 20% off your first order as a new customer by starting at MacWeldon.com slash talk show. M-A-C-K-W-E-L. D-O-N, MacWeldon.com slash talk show, and use that promo code talk show. That's MacWeldon.com slash talk show. Promo code when you check out talk show, and you save 20% off. It's fantastic. I've got I have so much Mac Weldon stuff on right now as I speak, I can't even can't even count it all. Yeah, I did exactly what you suggested. I like a year or two ago, I threw out all my underwear and went all Mac Weldon. And buy it in, in a big batch, and then they all wear out at the same time, and then it's like, all right, time to throw it all out again and start all over. Yeah, Not, mine haven't worn out yet. <laughs> well, I'm hard on underwear. <laughs> Just sitting a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right in the seat. Uh, all right, what do we want to talk about? Let's. Uh, where, what, yeah, what, where do you want to start? Why don't we start with the stonks? That's a that's a that's a word that I learned this week. Did you did you know this? this I've heard it. I mean, I assume it's just a meme thing, right? It's just yeah. a it's just a dumb way of saying stocks, right? Yeah, I think so. But this it's is not a, it's not anything other than that. In addition to my my personal thermostat policies, another sign of my rocketing it into the deep ends of middle age are. Uh, the fact that I just see slang now and I don't even look it up. Right, I, don't I, look it up. I take exactly. a, I take a guess, but they call them yeah. the kids call them stonks. Yeah. Uh, my dad called me yesterday. This is true story. This is how I knew that this is this was for real. This is a real sensation. My dad called me yesterday to ask what the hell's going on with this game stock. 
<laughs> he actually called it GameStock. And I'm like, and now that he said it, now I can't say, it's hard for me not to it's say it. It's hard to say it, the other you know? way, yeah, the right way. And I'm like, so that was a fun call. That was actually fun. I, I, I should have recorded it. It would have been a fun little mini podcast. Oh, yeah. That, yeah. Instead of having me on, geez. Me explaining to my dad the GameStop situation. And right. uh, oof, where do you start? It's it's kind of nuts. This is the thing that's always been in the back of my mind with the stock market is it would it would I, I like if I were Tim Cook or or Jeff Bezos or anybody who runs a big good successful company, I would lose sleep every night knowing that the fate of my company is in the hands of this mm-hmm. totally irrational market that could do something like drive GameStop up yeah nineteen nineteen thousand nineteen hundred percent. In a month. Institutionalized gambling is what it is. But like, (laughs) it's very strange. And then you combine it with the story of this Robin Hood uh, brokerage. Mm -hmm. And it, it really becomes a fascinating story. And it, 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 a couple of explanations I've seen, and I believe it, is that there's a, there's really like three or four stories. And it's not that they're in conflict with each other. It's, it's that they're all true and they're different and they don't even, sometimes they don't even intersect, but that they, the conflation of all of them happening at once made this bizarre thing happen. Yeah. I spent, I, so I used years ago, I used to know the details of like shorting. All right. And I don't know. I don't, I don't remember them anymore. And I almost like at the beginning of this thing, I was like, oh, I should figure out how that works exactly. <laughs> and, and I started reading something and I said, they're betting. <laughs> Right. Like, they're just they're they're placing a bet that the stock is gonna go down. That's that's all I really needed to know. And lo and behold, a bunch of other people decided now we're gonna make it go up. <laughs> a bunch of internet jerks <laughs> decided we're gonna make it go up. Well, and the the other <laughs> aspect to it is that they did these some of these heads like so the idea that that the people who made it go up stuck it to quote all of Wall Street is of course nonsense, right? Because yeah. at some point all of Wall Street, at least if you consider Wall Street to be the financial industry, they're like they are like the casino where they just win the more people play, right? It's mm-hmm. like if the casino is busy, the casino is making money. And so if yeah. like people are making lots of trades, Wall Street as a whole is doing well. It's it's a few particular hedge fund investors who who had mm-hmm. these short positions in GameStop and maybe AMC movie theaters and uh, who are the other darlings this week? I forget BlackBerry for some reason that I oh, yeah, sort Blackberry. of a, yeah that's the one that really escapes me because like GameStop you get that these twenty year olds have affinity for the brand right because it yeah, was like their right. favorite store is their as kids and teenagers and same thing with AMC where it's like, Hey, I loved going to movies. I can't wait to go back to movies. I don't want AMC to go bankrupt, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Blackberry. I don't get, I don't get, I don't get that. That that seems like that one's just sort of, (laughs) we picked the random one because we were like to show that we're funny. (laughs) I guess (laughs) to show we have a sense of humor because Blackberry isn't really even Blackberry anymore. You know what I mean? Like AMC is still AMC. They still have the theaters. So like, let's say we all get vaccinated and, and COVID, you know, goes away as we hope it will as, as 2021 progresses. When we go back to movie theaters, it will be if it, you know, and, and it looks like this whole 
crazy scheme might have saved AMC from going bankrupt. We'll be able to go see the James Bond movie later this year, and it'll be like like you it used to be. Whereas BlackBerry isn't even BlackBerry anymore. If they don't run, it's not like you can still go buy a, a BlackBerry running the BlackBerry operating system. It's just like a brand that sells Android phones. And I don't even know if they even have keyboards anymore, which was like the whole point. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, it's almost surprising that they exist. It's like, uh, yeah, well that, yeah. I mean, it, it, they have gone out of business and almost everything, but <laughs> actually going out of business. <laughs> it's, do you remember mimeographs? Like, as a, <laughs> Oh yeah. It's, yeah. You hand that out and you'd smell it. Yeah. That was great. When we, I, for those of you who are too young, uh, there used to be a, a copying technology called mimeographs and, and it was sort of photochemical photo, you know, it, it was a chemical based process rather than elect, purely electronic. Yeah, before, before there were copy machines in every school in the nation, they used this technology, which you would just write it on particular, write whatever you wanted to make copies of on a particular kind of, you know, the mimeograph paper, and then you could run it through a like a printing press, thing, sort of thing, like a roller. Yeah, and it would come out blue, right? It was, ours yeah. were always blue, and and when they were fresh, they would have a very uh, pleasant sort of, oh, uh, yeah. you know, a, you get a little high off of it. A little I high, mean, not like really high, but but it was just like a. <laughs> It was a weird chemical smell that it <laughs> like, like if somebody broke a smelling salt for somebody who passed out and gave it to the per- passed out person. And then after they got the the bulk of it, you took like a secondhand hit off the smelling. Salt. <laughs> but it was a real thing. Like kids, you know, they'd yeah. pass them out. And, you know, t- if the teacher hadn't made the mimeograph until right before class, it would be fresh. And it was a very pleasant smell. It's like Blackberry still being alive is like if there was still a mimeograph company. <laughs> Right? It's like that, that it doesn't even make sense anymore. Yeah. Um uh, <laughs> I I I bought I have to admit, I bought I bought a bit of GameStop on Thursday morning. <laughs> so I heard. Just just uh, just to have some skin in the game, you know. <laughs> and I have to say it was very distracting. I, I so what did you do you want to go into what you bought it for and what it's at now? Uh I bought it at three sixty. It's at three thirty right now as of and I, I didn't sell any of it, so I still have it. I bought some at three sixty and then it it jumped up to like four eighty and I was like thinking about selling. Uh because I was like, that's pretty cool. And then I could and I was like, well, let's see if it gets to five hundred. And then and then like an hour later it was hundred and twelve. <laughs> And plummeting, <laughs> and it, I, I, you know, I didn't buy a lot, but I bought enough. You yeah. know, I bought you know like as much as I would uh, maybe take in my pocket to a casino to play some blackjack, and you know, but enough that it, that which is enough that I don't want to lose it all. <laughs> which right. sure. at, no, at, at, when it went from four hundred to three hundred to two hundred down to heading close, <laughs> you know, rocketing towards one hundred, it really started looking like you might end up with zero, which is, you know, what can happen when you play blackjack. Not what you think yep. when you buy a stock, right? You go buy some Apple stock and a year, you don't look at it for a year. Maybe it's up, maybe it's down, but it's not going to be zero. Right. <laughs> well, the GameStop seemed like it could have been zero. <laughs> but then I, I I did buy some more to even out my position at around, uh, I think around 230. So the average of the shares that I hold are $301. So call it 300 
And now that it's three thirty, I'm overall I'm above I'm above water. Oh, okay. Uh, prob- a, there was a piece in the Washington Post about this kid in San Antonio whose mom gave him ten shares of GameStop, and she was like, you know, in 2019 for Kwanzaa, and um, she was just you know like trying to she wanted to give him a present and she wanted to give him something that, you know, like any, you know, as a kid, he loved to go to games, stop to buy games all the time. And so she was like, Oh, there's a, you know, there's a company that he enjoys. I'm going to get him some stock in this company to teach him a little bit about the stock market. And, uh, and so she bought 10 shares at $6 and 19 cents. And, um, <laughs> and he sold them. So, you know, so it goes up like crazy. It goes up to like three twenty, and she's like, Hey, did you see this? And he's like, and she was, she wanted to make sure that it was his decision about what to do. And she was like, I was really hoping he would say sell. <laughs> and so he sold, he sold at three twenty. So he, you know, he got like, like 3,100 bucks out of this. That's amazing. Wow. What a yeah. great story. I will put it in the show notes. I promise. Uh, that, that's fantastic. But that, yeah. I, it, it's so great. What a great story. But perhaps, perhaps this might be damaging to the young man's viewpoint of it well yeah and that's yeah she talked about that too she she she, she made very very clear that this is not a usual event <laughs> you turn 60 don't, don't get used to this well there's the the guy who's the main uh i'm not gonna say instigator because i don't think he's i don't think he's done anything wrong but the 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 promoter of gamestop is this guy on reddit's wall street bets who goes under the name uh uh, what is it? It's it's got the big F word. Fucking value. Big fucking something like value. Something like that. And and yeah. now he's he's been he's uh, I don't know if he got exposed or he chose to, but you know the Wall Street Journal had an interview with the real guy. But anyway, he put fifty thousand dollars into GameStop back in April, and his his position now is like forty million or something like that. It's like he cashed out a bit to have thirteen million in cash. And is still holding the rest, which is yeah. fascinating. <laughs> but I, not a bad way to do it, right? Because then, if like you know what I mean, like it, it that that you know, if he still believes in it, that the stock could go higher, that's it's not a bad way to do it. Put a little cash in your pocket, right? Thirteen million from fifty thousand starting point. If that's all you, if that's really what he walks away with, you know, he's still a, that rags to riches story. I mean, not that he, I don't yeah. know, I don't think he was in rags, but no, I'm sure, <laughs> you know, <laughs> sure he wasn't. I, I, let's say average Joe to riches, you know, yeah. thirteen million dollars in cash is is you know, it's a lot of money to most people. Uh, you know, forty million seems like more. I I, <laughs> I would be very tempted <laughs> to have yeah. sold at some point along the way, but. Uh, <laughs> You know, but not most people aren't making that type of money. But no, I, I just wanted no. and, to follow. And I, and I get. I mean, it seems like. I mean, I'm sure that a lot of people are excited about making a lot of money. But it also seems like these guys are just mostly. I mean, a lot of them are sticking a finger in somebody's eye. Yeah, there's definitely a part of that where they're you know, and 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 the idea is the the one of the ideas is that GameStop has been unfairly maligned by the short sellers, and that mm-hmm. these these hedge funds pounce on troubled stocks and you can see why why and and their gamestop in particular seemed uh uh open to this attack because the the short seller's story is true which is basically hey it's covid 
Ret- GameStop is a physical retailer with all the mm-hmm. all these positions. Physical retail is already hurting before COVID. COVID is death to physical retail, literally. I mean, it's, you know, because people are staying home and they're supposed to stay home. And the larger trend in the video game industry is towards downloads only. And people aren't buying discs, and that's the the Mm. whole thing that GameStop is about. And so that rings – it is true to some degree, and so it sounds true to other people. And so when they say, you know, you should short this stock because they're going to go bankrupt, it it rings true. But when you actually look at GameStop's numbers, it's not that bad. You know, it's like – and they had a strong holiday quarter – you know, so there's some truth that that they they might be more resilient than that to this than that storyline would have you. That bankruptcy yeah. may not be on on the uh, you know in their future. Um, well, and part and part of the problem with the hedge funds, you know, stuff that they do is it creates kind of a feeding frenzy, right? So right. It it does take. I mean, you know, they're not they're generally not doing it based on absolutely nothing, but it becomes a fait accompli because they all get together and they do the same thing, and that drives the stock down, and then they cash out and they make their money. Right. And when there's a very short, succinct story that you can tell in thirty seconds during a hit on CNBC. Um, it's more compelling. And hey, right. COVID hurts physical retailers. GameStop's a physical retailer and kids are moving towards digital downloads. End of story. They're yeah. going bankrupt. And it's like, yeah. oh, that I sounds mean, good. You know, as as people who follow Apple, we I think we are <laughs> in not necessarily unique position, but we are in a good position to recognize the fact that a lot of the activity that happens on Wall Street is based on a bunch of crap that people <laughs> are making up or or are ill-informed about. Yeah, that's very true. You know, and again, I'm not an investment expert. Trust me. Uh, you, you, you know, you have more of a background in this and you know more about how the stock market really works, but I do know the basics of how, how Apple in particular over the last 25 years, oh, maybe 30 years, you know, maybe the whole history of the company has largely been valued unfairly. On the yeah. market, and even even at the point now where maybe they're valued too high, right? Maybe they're part of an overall bubble. Um, but the basic idea of price to earnings, you know, where the average company over the last hundred years in the S and P five hundred has had a price to earnings of around, I think it's like nineteen, but let's call it twenty dollars, right? So yeah. it's like, however profitable you are, your stock price is sort of like a twenty times factor on earnings per share. I think that's mm-hmm. that's what price to earnings ratio is, right? Um, yeah. And you know, I don't know that that it, it, that sounds like that's the way it should be, right? But for for a long, long stretch, Apple was always valued way under twenty dollars uh, price to earnings. Yeah. Because the narrative was, ah, this company is on the, you know, they're in trouble. They're, you know. <laughs> Even when they weren't, <laughs> right, they're going to go out of business. Gonna right. go out of business any day. Right, and every time they had a hit, it would be like ah, you know, like the iPod is a is a great example because the iPod we can talk about as it's over, right? It 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 happened, and it was a not a flash, but it was sort of a decade a decade long thing, right? It appeared in two thousand one. It was Mac only, and Mac only until like two thousand three. And then I think it was around 2003, maybe 2004, when they they had the added the Windows support with iTunes and and you know digital music really really took off, and they had a couple of years where it was a true sensation and uh, 
uh, I always remember, I just remember being at the mall and hearing people, like kids talk about going to the iPod store and it'd be like, <laughs> you kids, <and>, you know, <laughs> I mean, this is 20 years ago. So I was like, yeah. you know, 29 years old <laughs> and I already felt like an old man. You kids, that's the Apple store, <laughs> the iPod store, but it became a thing. Uh, but, but it, when it became a thing that like the narrative was, ah, Dell's going to come out with a, with a thing, you know, Microsoft's going to yeah. come out with a thing and and, and nobody's going to buy these expensive ones from Apple. There's going to be cheap ones right. from other companies and yeah. and it never happened, right? right. But but right. their stock never really uh, took the value of the iPod because the narrative was at any given moment the iPod was going to just poof, the bubble's going to pop. Get replaced by yeah, 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 get beaten by Microsoft. Yeah, yeah. I mean the rumor there was a rumor I remember <laughs> I still remember this that that Microsoft was going to give you the value of whatever music you had already purchased on, like just give it to you somehow, like magically transfer whatever you had already purchased onto the, uh, the, the Zune um, when it came out. And of course that never happened. I mean, you had to buy, you had, a, had to get a subscription or you had to buy it all over again to get it on, on digital. Um, but it was just like, yeah, but it was that, that kind of thinking. It was like, you know, it's some M- Microsoft is too mighty and there's no way that Apple's going to be able to keep up when Microsoft introduces whatever they're going to bring to market. Right. And that basically Apple's only core audience was a cult. Yeah. All right. I mean, there's even the site cult of Mac. I mean, it's like, it's, you know, been there for a while, but it, it, it it's no exaggeration to say that that was the narrative on Wall Street was that the people who buy Macintosh computers were cultists, you know, yeah. <laughs> because because yeah. they couldn't see any other reason why why people would be buying these other computers that that don't accept DOS floppies. <laughs> <laughs> I put my floppy disk in and it said it wanted to format it. What's the no VGA porn on that laptop? Right. <laughs> these people are in a cult. Yeah. Um. The, the trackpad works. What the hell is that? <laughs> what kind of crazy? It's, it's unsustainable. <laughs> what kind of crazy laptop is this? <laughs> it actually wakes up from sleep. My computer shuts down if I leave the lid closed for 10 minutes, just like God intended. <laughs> But the the thing, so that it, it it's a weird story to follow because I love the idea that they are, you know, sticking a finger in the eye of these hedge funds. Um, but at the same time, you can easily see how, it, 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 in this maybe example of one, I don't even know, like I don't know exactly how it all started necessarily, but you can see how this can be, particularly after our experience in the 2016 election, this could be weaponized, right? Oh. How how actors from foreign states or, you know, just bad people can influence people on online forums and other places and try and get them to do stuff like this, thinking that they're doing something that's cute and funny or or even a social good and point it in the wrong direction. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and especially, well, maybe not especially, but, it, you know, it, Reddit in particular is – I've never been big a big Reddit user. Yeah, uh, me either. I, I mean, in fact, the opposite. I'm, I'm a very rare and occasional Reddit user. Um, but like the culture of Reddit is complete anonymity. Like as far as I can tell, nobody on I'm, – I'm, I might be the only 
person on all of Reddit who uses their actual name. <laughs> like, I think I signed up when, when I, I don't know, I, I, I was logged in because I was looking at Wall Street Bets this week, and it says I, I've signed up 15 years ago. So I don't know if that's early, uh, how early that is. But, you know, but my username on Reddit is just Gruber. <laughs> I've got like one, I've got one karma point. But I've been there for 15 years. As far as I can tell, nobody on Reddit uses their name. I, I don't yeah. know. I mean, I, I. But when I signed up, I didn't know, and I, I, I no longer know what made up name I, I would use. I mean, dar- daring fireball wouldn't exactly hide my, <laughs> no, <laughs> hide my identity. Um, but you know, and I know that there's lots of people, a lot of people on Twitter, including some of my favorite people who I follow, who who don't use their real name. Um, you know, Darth, for example, yeah, you know, Darth, who yeah. might be the single First one I think of, right? Yeah. The single greatest Twitter user in the world, maybe, right? Um, does not use his real name, uh, and it doesn't make him less credible. I think it's great that you don't have to. I, I, I think Twitter would be for the worse if they, you know, if they had originally had a real names only policy. Um, but the fact that no one on Reddit uses their real name does seem to make it even more likely to be like how how would you know how would you tell if it's foreign actors, you know, or people with the bad intent of attempting to crash the stock market. Yeah. It's very strange. Um, it, yeah. And I was lost. The other thing I saw was that there are now there are like 6.3 million subscribers to wall street bets <laughs> and, and half of them subscribed since Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very weird board. Did you take a look at it at all? I mean, now and just the stuff that's been posted in articles. I don't think I've gone there directly. Oh man, it is. It, it's crazy. It, 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 I kind of see how people are into it, but it's like, it's too frenetic for me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I love, I love, and, and they have their own kind of, you know, culture and language almost. Yeah. I love it. They, so they call it, uh, they, what they want that with the basic idea that, that the hardcore users of it, they want you to buy GameStop and, uh, AMC and hold just buy some and hold it. And it's going to drive the share price higher. And we're going to, you know, we're all going to get rich and they, they post a bunch of um, rocket ship emojis to show that it's, you know, it's going to, I swear this is part of the lingo. It's like, there's like going to the moon, going to the moon is good, but going to alpha Centauri is like, that's where they want it to go. Like, cause they're, they, they want GameStop to go to like 4,000. I swear. I mean, I don't think, I don't know. Well, you laugh, but it, it, I know, I but, know. But it was at like it was at like twelve dollars a month ago, and now it's at three hundred. So I don't know. Could it? You know, it's it's gone up thirty times in a month. You know, uh, maybe it could go up ten times more. I don't know. This is what they want, but they call it. But buying and holding, they call it diamond hands. <laughs> and okay, if you, that's what that was. Yeah, I saw that reference right. a few times. Yeah, that's that's diamond hands. And what you don't want to have is paper hands. Paper hands. <laughs> Paper hands would be like, let's say, like when I bought when I bought my uh, my GameStop at three hundred, and it went up to four eighty. If I had paper hands, I would have sold right there for for a nice a nice win. But I don't <laughs> see, yeah. But I don't want to have paper hands. You know, I want diamond hands. So I got the. <laughs> I'm in with the kids. I got diamond hands, John. I'm old. <laughs> But I sat there, I'm sitting there thinking, you know, and again, this is not an investment for me. This is recreational gambling. But I am, I, it did occur to me, well, wait, if I don't sell at 400 or 450, <laughs> well, what am I, what am I doing? Yeah. 
Right. And that, and that's, I, that's a question for all of these people, right? I right. mean, wh- where, what's the end game here? Because it doesn't seem like, I mean, maybe it does go up to something, some crazy value like 4,000, but <laughs> fundamentally, I don't think it's a $4,000. Dollar per share stock. No, I don't. I think, I think, <laughs> and it's got to come back down. And when it comes back down, like somebody's going to let be left carrying, holding the bag. <laughs> yeah, there's no doubt about it. I mean, again, I don't. Somebody's mean- going to have shit. Somebody's going to have shit hands. Is what they're going to. <laughs> <laughs> somebody's going to have to wipe their ass with the the free newspaper at the corner because they can't buy toilet paper anymore. <laughs> So I guess they would have shit hands. I don't know. I never, I never thought of that as like a, <laughs> as like a last ditch. You get the free newspaper. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, like it doesn't. It, it would be hard for me because I'd have to walk far, but I could do it. <laughs> Remember when we couldn't buy toilet paper? Yeah, I know. Yeah. Wasn't that a thing? Wasn't that a thing you'd never expected in in life in in America? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a mass toilet paper shortage. Mm-hmm. And it, but you know what though? It it was a similar mania though, right? It's it's like that herd mentality, yeah. like because right, there right. people bought like, and I have members of my family, and we, when we 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 wound up placing enough orders, we didn't we were at the tail end of it, you know, like we didn't load up early, but once we yeah. had trouble getting toilet paper, we placed orders, you know, at like Walmart dot com and Amazon dot com, and it was at a time when you, they were saying don't even leave the house, and we wound up getting more toilet paper to keep in the basement than we'd normally have, but not massive amounts. But I, I have family members who went to Costco and like loaded up their, their SUVs with toilet paper. Yeah. And we're like, you know, like Amy would be like, I, I don't think you need that much. What, and what like, do you think is going to happen? Like people, people are pooping more. I don't. <laughs> well, no, I, I think somehow it was just this, this weird cycle of the, Everybody's saying there's a toilet paper shortage, and somebody like went to a store and they were they literally were out of toilet paper or had nothing but like the the worst toilet paper imaginable, you know, yeah. like brand name worst toilet paper. <laughs> yeah, prison that, toilet. And paper. that happened. To, that did happen to us. We did. We at one point there was like we had some toilet paper that was kind of sketchy, but that was the worst. You know, that was the worst that happened. And because <laughs> we, you know, because we go to Costco, and so we get it at Costco, and so. You know, we usually have way more toilet paper than we really need at any given moment. But there were people buying pickup trucks full of it. And then, you yeah. know, like I remember early on, like when this was happening, I had to go pick up a, a prescription. And so I was at our CVS down the street and, and I went to, you know, I was like, well, let's see if they have any toilet paper. and Maybe I'll pick some up, you know, because and I went and they literally had nothing but like, uh, you know, like one sketchy so roll. Yeah, Soviet toilet paper. Yeah, <laughs> we we have some paper towels too because paper towels were, were running low, and we got some some n- really bad tape paper towels. And then you know now everything normal normal out, and uh, we don't yeah. have, but we still have some of this really cheap paper towels that we use for cleaning. You know, it's like well, let you know, let's not let it go to waste. But these paper towels, when they get wet, they they dissolve. <laughs> like they're not just bad paper towels. They're yeah. they're like. What are you supposed to use it for if getting it wet at all makes it dissolve? <laughs> do you ever have to? Do you ever get those those? There's like eco friendly uh, packing material that that they even tell you you can put it if you'd like to. You can just put it in a bucket, fill it with water, and it'll dissolve. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah that, I ate I ate one of those. I did too because they said you can because <laughs> they said you could eat it. Yeah, yeah. and I, <laughs> I gave one to the dog too. <laughs> <laughs> this is why we're pals. <laughs> My wife was like, what are you doing? If you get sick, 
if you get sick, I'm never going to let you forget this. And I'm like, well, they say you can eat it. And, and you know, but that's what these paper towels are made out of. They, they, you just get them wet. It's like, what do you, I, all we ever do with paper towels is clean up spills. You know, it, anyway. Uh, <laughs> well, anyway, then it leads us to, we got to talk about this Robin Hood company, Jiminy Christ. Yeah. yeah. They, do, do we need a disclosure? They, they used to advertise on one of my podcasts a long time ago. But. Oh, that's fair enough. I don't know. They'd yeah. never advertise with me though. So screw up the hell with them. Okay. <laughs> uh, I, even if they had, I, you know, I'd still be this. It's such a bizarre story. They're, yeah. they're, they're heading towards an IPO. They're well-funded. They're very popular. They apparently have a very good app, which I haven't been able to use. So I signed up for a Robinhood account five years ago. And I think it was when they were first new. There was like a, uh, our friend, uh, Adam Lisa Gore sandwich video did a nice sandwich video for them. And it sounded like a cool thing. So I signed up and, it never actually used it though. And then the other day when I was thinking about getting in on this GameStop, before the Robin Hood blockade, I thought, well, maybe if I'm just going to goof around instead of using my real investment account where I, I, I don't play day trading at all, I just buy some stocks and hold and never look at them, just index, you know, <laughs> S&P 500 index funds. Yeah. Why don't I just, why don't I try this Robin Hood thing too? I'll put, you know, put, put a couple hundred bucks in there and, and play with that. Uh, and I couldn't sign in because they I, I had my username and password and my email address, but they said they wanted to send me an SMS because I hadn't signed in for a long time. And I said, okay. And it just said, it's just a button. How They were like, how would you like to confirm your account, colon? And there's only one option, SMS. And I hit yes. And my phone never got an SMS. Nothing happens. And my I have a Google Voice that I, I was like, maybe I use the Google Voice. I often use that which is a great way to have like a throwaway account that can get and send SMS without having to give people your real cell phone number. Nope, nothing. So my guess is when I signed up, I gave them our landline number, which is what I typically oh. give, you mm-hmm. know, that they ask for. They're, a phone trying to, they're trying to send a text message to your landline number. Yeah. Right. Which literally isn't even hooked up. We don't even have a phone <laughs> connected <laughs> to it. We just have this number and we can use it for you know, billing purposes with no risk of, cause I, you know what, I don't, I don't want a phone call from them, but, uh, I sent them. A, so they're like, all right. So if you can't log in, what do you need to do? You got to send them an email to support. My guess is that my, my request to have this, uh, SMS situation straightened, straightened out. Is, is not high on their list right now. It, I, I'm guessing they might have a lot of a lot of emails in that. You, you'll you'll get that you'll get that a response to that when you get a COVID vaccine. Yeah, vaccination. exactly. So I was not able to use it, but apparently, what people say, and I have friends who have accounts there, they say it is a very nice app. And I use eTrade. I have, I have an eTrade, and eTrade's web uh, apps are uh, how do you say it? Uh, not good. Not good. Not good. I tried using their their iPad app, and I don't know how this is even possible. But it seems like like the fields, like when it says like how many shares would you you know what stock GME, how many shares, uh, you know thirty, uh, the fields don't really align with the tap targets. It's like you have to tap above mm-hmm. the it not how yeah. do you I don't even know how you do that in an iOS app, and then the iOS app crashed. And I haven't had an app crash in a long time. It just, or at least on iOS, it just doesn't seem to be a big thing anymore. It's it's clearly E Trade is still. Cl- and then I went to my Mac and just did it on the web and the, their website. It's not. It's very. 
they have a lot going on, but it's it works, and I can understand it, and it's a lot faster than an app. It's just clearly meant to be an app, and I mean a website, not an app. Yeah. Whereas Robinhood is app first, is it's app me- first, meant to be yeah. on the phone, and you know, I, so I could see why that's appealing to the kids, and especially these kids <laughs> who are betting, right? Who aren't just buying and holding, you know, once a month, put some more money into your fund and buy an index fund and build yep. a, an investment nest egg kids who are sitting there in reddit all well, day long buying and selling and dumping and yeah you know and but they but, but, but the big thing right is they don't have fees right well e-trade doesn't have fees anymore either fees you know okay. I, I i think once some of these brokerages went to no fee everybody kind of had to go to no fee and because yeah. the whole the fees thing turned out to be a racket you know it was sort of like yeah. a, atm fees right and it's like it, it, imagine like but you're a customer of theirs. And so, like, even if you still pay ATM fees when you go, like, out of your bank's network, it would be crazy if your own bank charged you an ATM fee. Fees, yeah. Right. Yeah. That's, I think, I don't know, maybe other people have fees, but E-Trade doesn't charge fees anymore either. Okay. I, I don't know. Yeah, but I don't know E-Trade's business model. But like Robinhood is basically making money off of selling all the information. Right. Right. So the, you know, their customers for money is that they allow, you know, they have hedge funds that they allow to get access to the fire hose of the trade information and, uh, what's it called? Uh, high frequency trading. Mm-hmm. Uh, where, and it's sort of like trying to think about how computers work these days and, and, you know, how, how many computations per se, like when Apple tells you that when you take a photo with your iPhone and it does, Three trillion operations in the instant you hit the shutter, and it's like, how is that even three trillion? What? <laughs> it's like, how is that even possible? Like, and it's like hard to wrap your mind around it. But it's like these high frequency trade things. It's like when they have access to the fire hose. Basically, I think this is a fair description. And it's like just John Moltz, Joe Consumer, uh, decides to buy ten shares of GameStop at. Three hundred dollars, even, and the the fire hose could see that somebody else is selling ones at two hundred and ninety nine dollars and seventy five cents, and so they can quick buy those shares at two ninety nine seventy five, and then sell those to you for mm-hmm. three hundred and make you know a couple of pennies. And I, I, right. it's probably even smaller. I'm saying a quarter. Maybe it's like a penny. Like you know, but. If you do this at the thousands of times per Just second the scale, they do scale you can make right. a large sum of money with the arbitrage of just a f- – the change bank. Right. It is. It's the change <laughs> bank. <laughs> I made that joke. That <laughs> I saw Kevin Nealon uh, on Twitter say that that still is one of his all-time favorite SNL skits. <laughs> it's a great – it's great. <laughs> Uh, but it's like, yeah, it's like the change bank come to life and, and somehow, you know, if, if two $10 bills are sometimes worth $20 and a penny that you, you know, it doesn't make sense with cash, but if that's, you know, in stocks, it's like all of a sudden two $10 bills are temporarily worth $20 and one cent. You quick buy those and turn them into a 20, you know, dollar bill and you pocket the penny. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's how these guys make money. But uh, 
It still isn't clear. It's like, so anyway, this whole thing with Robinhood, it, you know, and the basic idea is, you know, you put money in your account and then with your money, you can buy stocks and, you know, these options and the other stuff, but they all have prices and you can buy as many as you are allowed to buy and you buy them and sell them and you do things. And uh, all of a sudden Robinhood said to these people who, who are, <laughs> and that, this is where it really gets interesting. Cause it's not like, like, so for example, E-Trade, the, the one I use apparently stopped allowing people to buy GameStop at like three thirty in the after, like a half hour before trading closed on Thursday. Nobody, you don't see any articles about it because people weren't really using E-Trade for this, and it was only for half an hour, and mm-hmm. it was just sort of, you know, it, it actually seems much more reasonable. It was just sort of like I, we don't even know what's going on. Just give us a break, <laughs> give us a chance to catch our breath. Whereas Robinhood just said you can't buy it anymore. <laughs> yeah. And well, didn't they, they didn't they I mean they had some sort of fiduciary problem with it right because they couldn't there was so much trading going on that they couldn't cover the amounts something like that I mean it's yeah. still unclear they, and and, and 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 it gets you know it gets to the SEC rules about you have to have a certain amount of money in order to be able to execute these trades you can't just like I, as a as an individual I can't walk in there and say I want to I want to trade a million shares of Apple <laughs> Like no, you can't do that. You don't. You like if it goes sour, you'll go bankrupt, and then you know the whole thing will fall apart. So you have to have a certain amount of money in the bank in order to be able to do certain kinds of you know large trades. And they didn't have enough money because there was so much going on. One of the weird things about Robinhood that I didn't realize, and and it it the even before last week, but the. One of the knocks against Robinhood was that they promote this gambling mentality, mm-hmm. and, and they know, and everybody knows their, you know, their target audience is younger, and that this isn't a good idea. You know that it's perhaps dangerous in sort of promoting the idea that you can't lose, whereas you know you definitely can lose. But yeah. one of the weird things about it is that the default account for if you just go through the default of setting up a new Robinhood account. Your default is a margin account, not a cash account. Whereas a cash account is okay, you like e trade, you go there, sign up, you wire e trade a thousand dollars. And then when that clears, you know, I guess maybe if it's a wire transfer, it can clear instantly. If you do like a regular bank transfer, maybe it takes two days. Then you have a thousand dollars in your e trade account and you can buy a thousand dollars worth of uh, stock. Stock. Whereas a margin account is like buying on credit. Do you understand? I, I'm not quite sure I understand how that works, but I, mean, I don't know. I don't understand it any better than that. <laughs> right. But it's, you know, I understand how casinos work much better. You know, casinos, you, 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 you can play, but you can step up to a blackjack table and put a thousand dollars in cash down and say, I would like a thousand dollars in chips. And then they'll count out the money for the camera and then they'll give you a thousand dollars in chips and then you can play. But you can also get a marker. Now you have to first thing you have to do is you ha- you can't just walk up to, in a new casino and say give me a, give me a marker for a thousand dollars. You you go, there's a there's a place in the casino like it'll usually labeled casino credit and you go over there and wait and you you give them your driver's license and give them some information and fill out a form and um, I don't even know how long it usually takes but you could do it online now like if you know you're traveling to a, a Las Vegas or something you could fill it out in advance. And then they'll, they'll, you could say, I would, I would like, uh, I would like to be cleared for like $10,000 in credit at your casino. And then they do some kind of check and then they'll say yes or no. And then when you go there, you can, 
you can use your like casino player's card or your just your driver's license come up to the table once you you have credit at a casino and you can say give me a thousand dollar marker and then a pit boss will walk away and a minute or two later come over it looks like a check you know it's and you sign your name and it says you you owe this casino a thousand dollars and you haven't given them a a dollar of real money and they'll give you a thousand dollars in chips but you you do owe them a thousand dollars like sure. <laughs> yeah um it margin you know a margin account is sort of like that you can buy stuff that you don't have cash for effectively but the the thing about when when that you have to so that a i think that is a very strange default uh, and seems like it could get people into trouble. Like, yeah. Because, for example, the default at a real casino is cash, right? You you put real money into a real slot machine, or you <laughs> you put real real greenbacks down on the table to play a table game, and then you lose. You can only lose whatever you whatever you put in. Yeah, you've already handed them the money. You know, you've already put money on the table, and they t- they take it away and put it down the shoot. Sh- <laughs> and give you these fun little chips that are a lot more they're a lot more fun to to lose and and win than than cash but you've already given them the cash and that's the most you can lose whereas when you're playing with markers you 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 know you could get into real trouble you know like a you know I guess when you play at a legitimate casino it's not quite like an episode of the sopranos but they they're going to get their money you know um <laughs> Defaulting to a margin account is weird, but the the thing you have to understand with the Robinhood is they were they blocked everybody from buying GameStop, even if you had a cash account. So if you gave them a thousand dollars in cash and they had it and it's in your account, you could not use that account to buy GameStop. Like and and it is, I it seems to be some kind of liquidity crisis with with Robinhood where it's not the relationship between you, the user, and and Robinhood. It's that Robinhood, as as an yeah. as an institution, didn't have the funds to right. to cover these trades behind the scenes because they yeah. don't actually buy the stocks; they go to a middle person, and I guess it takes yeah. like two days for these things to clear. And people were looking at it, and they're like, "You don't, you know, you you can't do this." <laughs> and that that's a bad look for a brokerage. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mm, I don't know. I mean, I guess it's it's bad. Yeah, it's bad to. I mean, it's bad to the the front end user. It seems bad, but you you've got to if you want to play in that casino, <laughs> you have to make nice with the you know the casino owner. You can't like you can't just walk around doing things willy nilly. I mean, there are certain rules involved, and and you know, and and, and I mean. <laughs> It's a it's a government thing as well. It's not just you know it's not just like trying to make it good for fidelity or whoever they're doing the trade right. through. Um, it's it's a you know it's a government requirement and and I mean I think there are few enough requirements placed on this stuff as it is. It's nice to see somebody actually you know <laughs> see one that's you know at least maybe working. Well, but the, the, then the, the now Robinhood's open to suspicions of chicanery though because this idea that hey they're they're in bed with these hedge funds who who have shorted the stock and therefore in the hedge funds interest and they're the ones who actually pay robin hood for this access uh to the to the high frequency trading information they it's in their interest for game stocks 
stock. There, there I go trying to call it game yep, stock, yep. GameStop stock to go down. And the way to keep it from going down is to have people buying it. And the people who are most interested in buying it are blocked out. And that, yeah. it, it looks bad. And I don't know if that's really what was going on. Nobody seems to really know, but it certainly, right. it, it passes the sniff test of being credible. Right. It is a very, mm-hmm. you know, again, it's like the basic story against GameStop. You know, COVID equals retail bad. People buying digital downloads means discs are bad. GameStop's in trouble. Here, the, the basic story is hedge funds, certain hedge funds want GameStop to go down. Uh, the way to keep it from going down is to have people uh, like us buy it and we can't buy it. And Robin Hood's in the middle of this. Right. Yeah. I mean, the whole thing is definitely a, you know, it's a big test of whether or not the rules of the casino apply to everybody or if there are different (laughs) sets of rules for one group of people and another set of rules for other people. Right. And that's what it looks like. You know, it really does. You know, it's like the hedge funds aren't cut off from shorting it uh, even further. Yeah. Um, It's just a fascinating story. Uh, And so far, the, the bailouts that have happened have come from other people in the industry right so i think uh i forget the name of the one that was um heavily leveraged on this um and like lost like a third of their value or yeah. something like that <laughs> they got killed it's like yeah. Mel- um, melvin or something like that yeah i started with them right i couldn't remember the name of it but um somebody's another company stepped in and and like bailed them out and, and the thing that i was afraid of happening was and, and you and you heard some of these jerks on and like <laughs> The the financial networks, you know, getting on getting on the air and calling for like government bailouts of these companies. It's like, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Absolutely not. No. There it is and and you know, it does get to the heart of the, the, the broader outrage is the sense that if you're in the suit and tie wearing industry and you have a job and you're regularly appear on CNBC and you're, they call you an analyst and you're work at a firm or whatever there there's, it, it's a tails, tails. I, I win heads. You yeah. lose, you know, right. that that's the, the way I think Paul Krugman has put it where the idea is if, if the stuff you've bought goes up, you, you win because it went up. And if it goes down, the public loses because the government comes in and bails them out and makes makes you right. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, basically, there was a lot a lot more people should have lost everything in the 2008 uh, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, financial crisis. It, it really should be considered criminal. It's, it, the, it's criminal that it wasn't criminal. <laughs> right. Right. But there were an awful lot of people who got bailed out. And, and whereas the, the whole game was, no, you're gambling. You should be able to lose, you know. Yeah. And the public shouldn't be the one to to fund no, making it right. <laughs> it seems so obvious. But. It does, but but they justify it. There's and it's almost like you can see that they believe it somehow, right? It's yeah, yeah. I mean, it's this is yeah. It's uh, yeah. I could go on for a while about this, but <laughs> all right. Let me let me take. I, a break. Remember, I mean, I just one one. I'll do one story real quick. But I was talking to a CEO years ago about like, you know, he was incensed about you know, the fact that he had to sign these things that, you know, for the government that said, this is, this is, this is, you know, amounts that we made. These are our tax returns. This is verifiable. And he was like, I don't know how, I don't know if this is true. Somebody might, you know, somebody in our accounting firm came up with this. I don't I can't. And, I, and yet I have to sign these and take personal, personal responsibility. And I was like, well, maybe that's why they pay me, pay you so much. <laughs> I mean, like you can't just like, you can't say like, you know, I, I make, 
I make a lot of money because I take all these big risks and then just try and mitigate the risks away completely. Anyway. <laughs> Who am I to know if these numbers are accurate? I'm, exactly. <laughs> I'm just the CEO. <laughs> Like as though you just asked like the the night custodian, you know, yeah, like you're right. I just I just walked in here. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, well, put your name on this. You're on the you're on the hook with the SEC. <laughs> Sorry, Rodney Dangerfield, you're the CEO. <laughs> and if the numbers don't add up, they just come in and whisk. <laughs> Right, right. Well, we'll make it good. We'll just, you know, the the government will come in, and the, the entire country will pay pay for any mistakes you make. <laughs> All right, let me take a break and thank our next sponsor. Oh, man, what a great – it's a podcast, The Tech Meme Ride Home. Look, I, I I follow Tech Meme every day. It's just a great place to check in, find out what is going on. It's just it, – my number one place to look, is there anything going on in tech that I need to know about? Um, a, because if there's some a big story, it's big at the top. It stays stuck at the top. And B, you can just scroll down, and is there anything that's sort of like right up my alley – that is going on that may not be the biggest news of the day, but it is news. It'll be there on the Tech Meme homepage. I love it. But now they have a podcast. It's called Tech Meme Ride Home. It is a daily podcast, always only about 15 to 20 minutes long, every day by 5 p.m. Eastern. And it's just all the latest tech news of the day. But it's more than just headlines. You can get a robot to read your headlines. The Tech Meme Ride Home is all the context around the latest news of the day. It's got opinion. It's got flavor. It's a podcast. It's not just a recording. It is, you know, it's got personality. The top stories, the top posts, tweets, conversations about those stories and behind the scenes analysis. It is like a too long, didn't read service as a podcast. The folks at TechMeme are online all day keeping up with all this stuff. So if you are busy with like, you know, work all day and then you want to like catch up with a 15, 20-minute podcast, What the Hell Happened Today, Tech Meme Ride Home is a great experience. Even if you're not riding home anymore because you're at home, working from home, it's a great thing because you wrap up your day, put your put your AirPods on and give it a listen. It is a great show. I've been listening. They've been sponsoring for a couple of weeks now, and I've, I've subscribed. It is. It's a really good podcast. I really enjoy it. So listen to the one podcast, anyone who's anyone in Silicon Valley or outside Silicon Valley but pays attention to Silicon Valley like me, listens to every single day. Search your podcast app of choice right now for Ride Home and subscribe to the Tech Meme Ride Home podcast. It's a great show. I I truly, truly recommend it. Uh, uh what else we got on the agenda here? Apple's quarterly results. This is, I guess we might as well follow on the our, our put on, keep our shirts and ties on. <laughs> I never know what to do. I, this is one of those things where it's like uh, I, I, I always mention the quarterly results, but I never know how much right because it's not that's not really what I'm interested in. I mean, if yeah. something truly profound happened, you know, and you know, you want to know, you know, like. Yeah, you know, if, if yeah, really in trouble. It 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 it'd be more of interest to me if there were trouble than when they have a good quarter and they just had, I I think a great quarter. <laughs> yeah, for yeah, I mean for a first fiscal quarter, it was amazing. Uh, and I guess you know the thing I take away from it as somebody who's almost solely interested in Apple for the products and 
services, I guess, now that they make and not as an investor. I do not own Apple stock uh, for the reason that I think it would you know, be a conflict of interest. I just, I just don't want the hassle. So I'm not interested. And I know, you know, Daring Fireball is not an Apple investor's site, but it is interesting to me how the results interact with how I feel about how their products are going. And I feel like everything is in pretty good shape and the results reflect it. It was a great yeah. quarter for the iPhone, a great quarter for the Mac, pretty good for iPad. Mm-hmm. And the services are on a slow, steady, consistent march upward. Yeah. Yeah, and for years, the whole the whole thing was like, oh, Apple is too dependent on iPhone revenue. Right. And now the services revenue and the wearables revenue has really grown to the point where it, I mean, you can't really say that's much of a concern anymore. I, I saw a tweet this morning. I think it was a tweet. Um, it was on uh, Philip Elmer DeWitt's uh PED 30 site uh, from Horace Deju. But as, as Horace uh, graphed it, Apple's, if you subtract the iPhone from Apple's quarter, uh, the rest of the company is now at the size that all of Apple was at in either 2012 or 2013 or something like that. Yeah. I thought it was, yeah, I think I saw that it was, I thought it was 2012, but yeah. yeah. So, and, and, and 2012 was sort of at the height of, Hey, this iPhone thing is clearly fantastic, but you know, it, they're too dependent on it, you know? Right. Right. <laughs> it's like, there's all, it's like that Apple stock for some reason has always attracted these Debbie downers, you know? <laughs> Like, oh, so they've got the most the most profitable product in the history of cons- <laughs> consumer goods. Too dependent on it can't last. Right. Yeah, yeah, right, right. That's the that's a way of like finding. I mean, in the whole the the idea is so ludicrous on the face of it. I mean, the idea is what, what's the what is the concern? Is the concern that the iPhone is simply just going to go away? I mean, I, I guess it's not like it's not like you're going to wake up tomorrow and there's not going to be an iPhone, right? And and it's hard to yeah, it's as opposed to and it, you know it's it's a great testimony to the idea of cannibalizing your own product. I mentioned the iPod earlier in the show, and nobody buys i they don't even sell iPods anymore. I guess they have the iPod Touch. Uh, yeah, the Touch. Yeah. Uh, do they have the Shuffle still? They had the Shuffle for a while. I don't think they do. Okay. Uh, well. Uh, we'll find out. I'm sure we'll find yeah. out on Twitter after the show airs. But I don't think they do. I don't. I do not think they still sell the shuffle. Um, uh, but the iPod was a very big hit, and it was very successful. And they made the iPhone such that the one of the first three things that Steve Jobs said it did was it it was a great what widescreen video playing iPod. Um, yeah. And nobody, uh, you know, and I guess if you go young enough now, like if you, like I tried to like our sons, if we tried to convince our sons that they should buy a $400 device to put in their pocket that plays music <laughs> and, and does a hard drive, a physical hard drive and, and, and doesn't stream music. You got to, you got to load this, all the songs onto the device. You got to have them on there. They would, you know, look at us like we're nuts because why would yeah. you do that when you already have a device in your pocket that plays all of your music and can have, you know, does have a network right. connection and streams, which is the only way they know how to play music. Uh, looks looks like there's no touch. By yeah. Yeah. You mean no shuffle? No shuffle. Shuffle. No yeah. shuffle. Yeah. Um, 
you know, so they cannibalized it. I, it's, but it was easy to imagine how hypothetically, like if, if in 2006, the year before the iPhone was announced and, and maybe we even did, I don't know, maybe you and I did have a podcast where, where we talked about it, but somebody could have easily imagined a future where, Hey, I think MP standalone MP3 players are going to go away. I think phones, you know, maybe this rocker isn't it, but the idea that you you only need one electronic device in your pocket and it can play music in addition to make your phone calls and send your text messages or whatever we thought phones did in 2006. Uh, you know, it can play the snake game. You only need one device, <laughs> right? And th- that, that argument makes sense, right? And it's credible. Whereas at, at this point, even now, uh, 15 years or almost, you know, 14 years into the, uh, iPhone era, it's very hard to imagine a, a near term. I mean, am I gonna, do I think everybody's going to have iPhones in 20 years? I don't know. Maybe, you know, I mean, the Mac has had a life like that, <clears throat> but certainly for the next five to 10 years, it's very difficult to imagine a world where people don't have phones. Yeah. It, it's just it, almost impossible. Um, I mean, what? Are the, I mean, I guess in theory, glasses or something could replace it. But even then, I suppose I, I don't see it replacing the phone. Though I, it's like even these glasses, I think, would be like the watch, where the you know yeah. they're tethered to your phone. You're, you've got your little pocket computer, and, and and it wirelessly communicates to these other devices that you wear. Um, yeah. Uh, so anyway, good quarter for the iPhone. iPhone 12 seems to be a hit. Good quarter for the Mac. Uh, iPad. I don't know what else to say. You know, good right. good quarter. Yeah, and I think there used to be. I mean, when they released um, unit sales, there was a little bit more to talk about, right? Based on comparisons to previous quarters and stuff like that. And they don't do that anymore. So, yeah, and you know, I, I don't blame them. It would be. I guess it was no. more fun when they did, but yeah, but nobody else did. No, and you know, and you could see how that was highly competitive information. You know. Yeah. Right. And and you know and people would nitpick it, right? I mean, they would, oh, you know, it stayed flat or it didn't go up as much as we thought or, I mean, just forget it. <laughs> <laughs> and they can, and, and I don't think they massage the numbers, but they, they have, they've gone to great lengths to smooth out their revenue streams, right? Because they have moved everybody, they're trying to move everybody to subscriptions for, and, and paying in, um, you know, the purchase plans and things like that so that they're not getting the money in one quarter and then having to like deal with the fact that their, their money is not, that their income is like uneven. Right. Um, like the, the, the overall spike for the holiday quarter is no longer, it doesn't seem to be as disproportionate as it used to be. And, and everybody understands that it's the basic nature that Apple makes devices that are natural holiday gifts is you know how, how even if you're stupid you 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 could see that right i mean <laughs> i thought it was interesting i i wrote about it on daring far but i thought it was interesting that the mac sales actually went down a little bit from the previous quarter which seems to be a little bit of column a which is that the the july september quarter is back to school and right. Which is always a good quarter for the Mac. And then a little bit of column B, which is that Macs were supply constrained, probably for COVID related 
supply chain reasons, and maybe because Apple Silicon's new. In, I would think it's yeah, got to be that, right? Just a, you know, but there, you know, and a couple of people are like, yeah, I tried to buy. You know, there are certain configurations of the the uh, the new yeah. Apple Silicon Max that that are like thirty days out. You know, yeah, not- you could because I I ordered mine the day after Christmas, um, and I just got it the other day. Yeah, well, literally, um, there you go. That's yeah, literally thirty days, right? Right, right. Um, yeah, and and I configured it, and I think you could get the non configured ones. Um, relatively well. I don't know about how quick, but you could get them faster for sure. Yeah, so that makes sense. Um, I think that the back to school thing is really. Uh, it's sort of like the, the holiday quarter was a little bit good for the Mac because these Apple Silicon machines. Every a lot of people were waiting for them, uh, and they were universally well regarded. We'll get to talking about yours by the end of the show, but I think that the back to school factor in this COVID year was a bigger factor than even Apple Silicon was to pump up that back to school quarter because yeah. it's like kids of all ages globally, right? It's not just a U.S. thing. It's not just a high school and college thing. It's like middle school kids, any kids who might need a computer at home, you know, and if, if you know, just how many, you know, and the fact that people, uh, adults were working at home. I mean, I know this firsthand from our immediate greater family that, you know, most families aren't like the Gruber household where we have more, more Macs than people (laughs) at any given time. That's, that's a highly unusual ratio. There's an awful lot of families that in normal times when there's not a pandemic that's locking everybody at home have shared computers, shared for multiple kids, shared between adults and kids, you know, and a longstanding complaint about iPads is that they do not support multi-user in the way that Macs do, where you can each, you know, different family members, just there's just a nice friendly menu up in the menu bar and you just switch it down to your name and right. now you're in your account. And uh, that doesn't work when you've got two kids in school at the same time and up to two adults who might be working at at the same time and all yeah. need computers. It's, you know, people, people bought an awful lot. You can see it in Tim Cook's remarks. There's, there's almost like an apology for how, well, I, I, and I, he does seem to be a, I, I know he has a taste for profits and he is, you know, he's the capitalist CEO of the most profitable company in the world, but it, it, you can almost see it in his remarks. It's like this, 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 you know, this is terrible that we're making all this money. <laughs> <laughs> you I, can, feel, I feel just awful about this. Yeah, well, you, I, I honestly think that he, if he could wish away, if he had a one wish and could and and could be used to make it so that COVID didn't happen, knowing that it would mean that Apple would have had a, a you know less somewhat less successful year, I don't think he would hesitate to do it. I, I feel like he feels bad about that trade off, whereas some people might be like, wow, this COVID is the best thing that ever happened to us. It's working out for me, yeah. Right. Uh, but I think the Mac in particular really, really benefited from that in, in Q3. Yeah. Uh, anything else from the Apple quarterly results? I didn't really I, – I, I guess there's some question. I, I don't want to go too far into it with the Apple report card, but the one product that is so weird of all of them is the Apple TV, Right. Like uh, uh, Snell released his Apple report card yesterday and it's like, everybody has the same marks. It's like, and, and, and it's bizarre. Like my quip on it for the report card is just, it is just, it's, it's not necessarily bizarre that Apple isn't interested in selling set top TV boxes. Like their, their living room 
hardware interest has always clearly been a hobby, right? It, it goes, I think literally goes back to the Steve Jobs era of calling it a hobby. But their overall interest in living room now is very high because they are all in on Apple TV Plus as a service. Uh, right. The city of Philadelphia, all the billboard space here in Center City, Philadelphia is all uh, servant. It's the, the M. Night Shyamalan uh, yep. show that actually takes mm-hmm. place here in Philadelphia, but I don't think that's why, but uh, probably nationwide, but they, they've they been advertising shows. They had Ted Lasso advertisements, you know, they're, uh, you know, they're all in on the service, but their, their hardware interest seems like, oh yeah, we do. We, st- oh yeah, we still sell a box. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how do you like the remote? Occasionally, they occasionally sell a box. Yeah. They, they haven't up. I mean, that one's been out for a few years now, right? And, and there's been a rumor of a new one coming soon, but it, it I think it, it seemed like it was going to come this past year, but right. it didn't. And now it's been kicked to this year, supposedly. Right. And, but, it, and yeah, I mean, I have, so I have a TV in my office, which is a bad idea, but, um, and I have not the, <laughs> Not the Apple TV 4K, but the Apple TV 4, yeah, attached to it. And I have Apple Arcade, and I was going to go play, you know, because I, I figure ah, it's, this is, you know, <laughs> what I do, I can, I can justify it by doing it in my own, yeah. <laughs> play some Apple Arcade games. And I went to play one of the one of the games, and it didn't play on that one. So it's it's not the most recent generation, but it was the previous generation, and it doesn't even you know one of the Apple Arcade games doesn't even play on that unit. And then another game supposedly played, but played like crap. And it's just it it, it that seems weird to me. Like the the previous, you have to have the most updated one, but I don't want to get. Like, I don't want to go get another one. Right. I'm not going to go buy another one right now because it seems like they should have released one already by now. The, and they it, haven't. It's like with everything in technology, there's always a sense that if you don't buy it as soon as it comes out, you're always at the edge of, well, maybe I should wait <laughs> for the next one. Right. I mean, that's always true. And and it is one of the nice things about the very regular schedule of iPhones, right? That you just kind of know Apple now, the Apple comes out with the regular iPhones in September, October, and it's annual. And if, you know, there aren't many people who are waiting for SEs that. <laughs> yeah, present, so yeah, present company excluded. I know present. I don't want to, you know, present, <laughs> but you, you know, and you're, you're savvy enough where you could, you probably were, you know, follow the rumors and you kind of knew when to get one and, but it, it's, you know, the whole point of the SE is that it sells mostly to people who aren't like, knowledgeable about whether this phone is six months old or whatever. Yeah. It's like, how much does it cost? And does, you know, okay, I'll take that one. Um, the, the Apple TV 4k though is, is so far at the extreme of that because it's so expensive compared to other competing <sighs> plug this into the HDMI port on your, on your TV and you can stream stuff. Right, it's there's a whole bunch of boxes and a whole bunch of choices, and Apple TV 4K is at the extreme end of the cost spectrum on that. It's still right. it's like 160 bucks or something like that. Yeah, it's crazy. It's ridiculous. I mean, for a company that wants you to get in, I mean, that basically is selling it for the services aspect. Right, it's- and if I didn't even realize that some of the arcade games don't even play well on the old one, but it doesn't surprise me because the old one yeah. is so many years older that it really does. Right. I'm sure have a. a, a Terrible GPU by Apple standards today. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't make any sense. Who wants to spend $180 on a box that's already way more expensive than all the other boxes, knowing that 
surely Apple has to be coming out with a new one soon. I don't know. Yeah. And, and, and I think most people don't even care about the arcade aspect of it for the, I mean, if people who are, I would imagine that most people who are into arcade are playing on their phone or an iPad or something. Well, I I think that's, I, I feel like I'm, I'm probably one of the few people who actually plays some things on the Apple TV. It, it, and again, it's all very obvious, and I know I've talked about it before, but it really does make sense. It, it, it the 4K clearly is powerful enough to play pretty good games. You know, it's it. I I I almost I'm willing to bet on the fact that it's a more powerful GPU than the Nintendo Switch has, and people play the Switch on their TV, you know, a million times a day. Uh, but you know, it's the most obvious thing in the world. I bet most people don't even realize Apple TV can play games because it doesn't look yeah. like it plays games because it ships with a remote control that <laughs> crappy remote <laughs> that doesn't it isn't even good for playing video. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like if you thought that remote was bad for streaming, you know, playback of video, wait until you try to drive a yeah. cart game with it. You know, it's. You know, and, well, they, and then they're, they're they're caught in the middle. Their the device is caught in the middle because it wants to be two different things. It wants to be like a like a TV stick, and it also wants to be a game console. Right, and it's not good at either. I don't know what the answer is. Uh, I I hope they think figure it out. But yeah. I I kind of hope that the idea that the company is so interested in services and that Apple Arcade is a a service that they uh, see as, you know, they don't have many of them, like in the Apple One bundle, you know, and if they treat them all as being important, that they're going to come up with some, I don't know, would they actually put an Apple game controller in the box? I don't know. But some uh, kind yeah, of... I, I would... I, yeah. I don't know. Oh, so... <laughs> if they want to keep it as a $160-ish, $150, $200 device, I don't think it's yeah. unreasonable to think that they would put a good remote control and a good controller in there. Yeah. And assume that they can make money on the service, right? That that's right. sort of the right. thing is that, okay, we're not going to make a lot of money on this, but we'll get people to sign up for Apple One and they can watch Apple TV and then they can play Apple Arcade and they could still buy, you know, the new releases on the iTunes yeah. movie store and... You know, that's, it's not, you know, selling stuff for break even and making it up on the margin isn't really Apple's business. They like to sell stuff for a profit yeah. and do it. But in the, in this market in particular, I don't see any way around it, you know? Yeah. Or they, I mean, unless, unless you, you know, you split it, right. You, you can, you could sell a stick and you could sell. Right. The thing that's supposed to be a game, you know, a game platform. Right. But they, you know, they have third party controller support in Apple TV, but I feel like if it doesn't come with it, people just don't. Right. People yeah, don't I want to do it. Agree. Like yeah. nobody. You I mean, know. I'm glad. I'm glad I got a Steel Series. I'm glad I got it. It's a really nice controller, and it works very well with it. But the fact that it doesn't come in the box, I think, is a big deal. Yeah, and and without it, it it's like the games just aren't good. You know, I mean, no. you, there's only so many games where the you know what do they call the endless runners, where there's like a one button right. and you run. There, some of those games are fun, but they really do make a lot more sense to me on the phone. Right. <laughs> than they do when you're playing on a TV where you could be playing on any other way to play games on your TV, you get more than one button. Yeah. <laughs> you know, sometimes you yeah, get like a, true. you know, a thing that can go in directions. Yeah. Anyway, I'm going to take a break here. Thank our third and final sponsor of the show. Oh, our good friends at Squarespace. Hey, the, the new year 
is when people are setting new goals, starting businesses, changing careers, even launching new creative products. Uh, Squarespace gives people a powerful and beautiful online platform from which to make their next move known to the world. Make your next move is where people can lock down their next move with everything you need for a website, a unique domain name, a website to launch the idea, a portfolio to get your project out there, show your work if that's what you're building a website for, an online store to officially open for business, do all your commerce, let Squarespace handle all of the tricky stuff related to doing online commerce, taking credit cards, all that sort of stuff. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website. Strike now, right now, you're, we're locked in. It's the middle of winter, it's cold, it's the new year. Now is the best time if you've got that itch in the back of your mind that you wanted to make a new website or update some crappy old website. Do it at Squarespace. Get a unique domain with a beautiful website and do it all at Squarespace. Everything looks professional. They have great customer service even. Uh, start your free trial today. You get 30 days free at squarespace.com slash talk show. And when you do decide to sign up and start paying, you can head to squarespace.com slash talk show, same URL, with the offer code talk show, and you get 10% off your first purchase. That's squarespace.com slash talk show with offer code talk show for 10% off. My thanks to Squarespace. Uh, what else? We got, would you, let's talk about your, uh, your hardware purchases. I, <laughs> so the iPhone 12 mini. Yeah. You've been waiting so for a, Small phone. I've been waiting, you know, waiting for four years for this phone. So I had, yeah, I mean, I got the the SE. I had a six S, right? I think that was the one. Yeah, so that was the last the last bigger phone that I had. I got a six S. Well, <laughs> until I got the other SE. But this, so I had the six S, and then I got the SE when that came out because I really just prefer a smaller phone, and had that for four years, and couldn't, and it was really dragging at the end. Um, a year ago and was, I was just kind of dying for the next thing to, to be released. And I knew that there was, you know, the, the way the rumors looked that they were going to release the, you know, a six S sized SE or seven sized, whatever. And, um, then release a smaller phone than that in the fall, which is exactly what happened. But I was kind of at the end of my rope with my, you know, 2016 SE. So when the SE, the 2020 SE came out, I bought that and that was a good phone. I mean, it was still bigger than I wanted, but it was a, it was a decent, it was a decent phone. It wasn't as big as like the 10 sized ones. And, and then of course, yeah, they came out with the, with the 12 mini. And so I decided I, I'd return my, my SE two and get the 12 mini. And, and this is the phone that I wanted. <laughs> so it's interesting. So that means you're, you're like late to the game. You're only really now into the new iPhone 10 style 2.0 era of, of interaction with iOS, right? For well, this. except, I mean, I did have an iPad. So right. um, I had an iPad Pro that I bought, uh, mm-hmm. the 11, whenever that, the, the 11 inch yeah. Pro. Um, so I've had it for a couple, couple of years, right? Something yeah. like that. So what do you, yeah. what, what do you think overall? I love it. I mean, it's what, like I said, it's, it's this, I mean, it's it, even, I would go even a little smaller, but um, it's great. And um, I like the blue, I got the blue. And it's, I just don't like the bigger phones and it doesn't really have much. I mean, like my hands aren't, you know, unusually small. They're not huge, but, uh, I just don't like trying to get to that upper corner, um, 
the whatever icon happens to be up there. And I, I just would rather have a smaller phone. And I don't like a huge phone in my pocket either. Uh, if I want, if I want to look at something on a bigger screen, I just grab my iPad. I mean, cause I'm in the house most of the time anyway. So I think that's part of it, right? Cause I'm not out and about and it's, I don't need a big screen on the move, um, where I want to carry just one device and be able to read something or look at a video or whatever. Um, I'm usually in the house and if I want to look at a video, I'll, get, I'll do it on my, my laptop or on my iPad. Um, and the, the phone is really for just, you know, when I'm moving around and, it, it, I would rather have it be smaller. So, uh, it, you know, and the camera, obviously the, the, the thing, the big difference is the camera uh, coming from the original SE. Cause it's a great camera. It is the, it's a great camera. It is the yeah. iPhone 12 camera with no, no compromises compared. I mean, I know the pro models have the extra lens, but the yeah. full, you know, regular size, I guess I should say iPhone 12 has the exact same camera system as the 12 mini. I, I've said this before. It, this is the hardest year. This is the only year of, with the iPhone where I had a hard time deciding which one I like best. And I honestly think I might have. I ended up deciding I want the regular iPhone 12, not Pro, because I love the difference in weight so much more. I, I find the 12 Pro, and forget about the Max, uh, which is just too big for me. I just don't have a taste for the size. And, yeah. and I, I understand why some people do. I get it. But I feel bad for people who just want a big one and that there is no, like, just iPhone 12 Max that's not Pro, that's made out of the aluminum and the lighter weight stuff, but you get the big size. Um, like, the, if you really want big, <laughs> your, your starting price is $1,100, which is yeah. crazy. And that was the other, that was, I mean, I liked about the, I guess there are probably two kinds of people who buy the SE I ever bought the original SE. I mean, people who wanted something that was cheap and people who wanted something that was, that was small. Right. And I was not, you know, it was great that it was cheap because I could just pay for it with cash. I mean, I bought that phone outright and I did the same thing with the, the SE last year. But um, you would still like to have that iPhone 5 size, though. Like, like if they made it, if they came out with an iPhone 13 Nano, that was. Well, iPhone. if it didn't, yeah. I mean, if it didn't, yeah. I mean, particularly if it didn't have bezels. Right. That would probably be enough for me. See, I think that would be too small. But I've seen some, you know, Mike Davidson uh, on Twitter, I, 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 longtime friend of mine. But he he's a longtime small, very similar taste to you. Has mm-hmm. always liked small phones. Likes the iPhone 12 Mini, but his you know very short tweet length take is that he still thinks it could be smaller. Um, could be smaller. Yeah, I, I think it could be a little smaller. <laughs> yeah. I found it so hard to to decide between a 12 and 12 Mini, like. To me, I, I I like the idea of the better camera and the zoom and everything. But and I did I went through my photo library and did like a smart search for all the photos I took with the two X lens. And it's like, but just and I used it more often than I thought. But I don't think that using the one X lens and cropping to zoom in a little more would make that big a difference. And I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. And I know that for the next year, at least a big chunk of the year, I'm not going to travel, so I'm not really. <laughs> Not taking as yeah. many photos. Not taking as many photos as I no, usually I, do. Yeah, right. But the right. the weight difference for me is just so much. I just so I I find the iPhone 12 Pro to be heavy. I really I don't know. I I, I know it looks cooler I, to some people's taste with the steel, but it just seems silly to me to have a heavier phone. And the weird, weird, totally uh, you know rarefied, uh, bizarre status where I have all four of them. 
from Apple to as review units and don't just have to stand there at a table in the store with one that's tethered to the desk and decide which I can actually use them for days. <laughs> it, it, you know, I, I, I really try to give that info because I know most people don't get to do that, but yeah, man, the 12 mini, I, I feel like the difference though, for me, if it hadn't been for COVID, I might've got the 12 mini instead of the 12, because I feel like then I would have been out and, the advantages of having a nice small device in my pocket would be even more prominent when I'm at home. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I just have it on a, on my desk and it's not even okay. in my pocket. It's like, who cares? I don't know. Yeah. It was a very close call for me. I, the 12 yeah. mini is so nice. It is so exactly like just one of those items that for a couple of years was on the list of, boy, I hope Apple will make a smaller phone. And if they do, I hope they, you know, don't give it like a year old processor and a year old camera. And and it's like, nope, they did it. And it's great. And (laughs) now we'll see if they ever make one ever again. Yeah. So there's reports that, (laughs) that they've cut production. Uh, But a, even if it's true, that doesn't mean that it's not selling good well, enough. Yeah. And again, I don't have uh, Jeff Williams is not one of my little birdies. So it's <laughs> I don't I don't know if I've ever even like said hello to Jeff Williams at a press <laughs> event. Uh I I don't have anybody in the operations group whispering to me how well things are selling, you know. They just they don't do that. But I do know some people at Apple. I do have some little birdies who aren't directly involved but are indirectly involved, you know, with the type of people who do fly to China in normal times throughout the year to to do work in the factories and make sure things are going well and are, are therefore more reasonably informed about what's actually going on with Apple hardware in the supply chain. And one thing over the years that a couple of these people have told me is that whenever these reports come out about like sales cuts or stuff like that, mm-hmm. almost inside Apple, they're like, where is this coming? This is nonsense. And it's not even like the opposite. It's not even, you know, they're like, it just has no bearing on reality. And in the other one that has even less bearing in reality are when those, it, it seems like this is a, a, a thing that people don't write about as much as they used to, but those cost of goods analyses where, Oh yeah. Everybody loves these things where somebody will come out with somebody uh, analyzed the iPhone 12 and it's the fif- takes 15 cents to make an iPhone 12. And Apple sells it for- <laughs> it's a fifth. It's like, it's mostly just sand. <laughs> and it's sand like, sand is very cheap. And, and like, those things are like, I, I, I know Tim Cook has addressed those and said that there's, they're, they're, they're nonsense, but these, Production cuts aren't, and and a big reason, and I know this is true. This is not just my conjecture. It is something that people have told me is that Apple doesn't trust its supply chain partners to keep information private because they know how valuable it is and they know that it yeah. leaks, and so it's all a big game of poker. You know, where like, so like, uh, I don't want to throw anybody under the bus, so I won't name a real company but like you know maybe there's a company that <laughs> you could name you could name hyundai right, right. Like, <laughs> i mean hyundai talking about like all right the project titan stuff and like <laughs> hyundai's like i've got two fives <laughs> yeah what was up with that what, what? i don't know 
I think it's just like they're new. I mean, yeah. like this stuff was, and maybe <laughs> they didn't get it that they shouldn't be like talking about it. But like you know, if there's some company making screens for the iPhone 12 and they're making the display components, like Apple doesn't say to them, "We expect you to make." 30 million of these iPhone 12 screens in the January to March quarter. And, and then, you know, and then they're like, just keep it between us. Like they might have, they have to give them some kind of number, but it's all, you know, not that they lie. It's like playing poker, right? Like, you know, it, 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 I just wouldn't read into that. I do think there's probably some truth to the fact that the iPhone 12 mini is not setting the world on fire, that it's not some kind of smash hit. And, you know, they, they even said, you know, in a SEC legally liable way, you know, that those statements on the quarterly analyst call that the, the pro models are selling higher than they expected. Yeah. That, that's a thing they said as a fact. And it, it helps explain the, the, the bump in revenue. I, I'm not worried about the 12 minis future. I, I think it's, I think it's, it's such a good product. And I kind of feel like the people who it most appeals to are not, even if they're an enthusiast like you, right? Not just it's yeah, just give me a small phone, you know. I don't know, or or type of people who just only ever buy phones when their old phone literally breaks. I it's just such a good product. I I and I can't help but think that it must be selling well enough that it it's probably not too far out far outside their projections. Yeah, I don't know. Right, and I feel like if it's not selling well, I mean, part, well, I mean, part of the reason why it might not be selling well if it isn't is the fact that the they just introduced like the replacement. Like if you're an SE owner, right. Who's been holding out forever, hoping that there's going to be a smaller phone. They released the SE in March. Yeah. Right. And then six months later, they released another phone. Like it. So, I mean, I bought two cause I'm an idiot, but <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I couldn't wait any longer, really. I mean, that, that phone was really on its last legs and I had a, had the battery replaced, but it really, could not hold much of a charge anymore and so i i mean i got i got the se and then when they released the phone that i really want i sold the se and got got the one that i really wanted which but most people particularly in the middle of a pandemic aren't going to be willing to do that yeah well anyway i love it i i think it's just such a great product i love the way it felt in the hand and and uh, now now i'm second guessing myself for buying the the regular 12 but anyway (laughs) Uh, the other, and the other thing I was going to mention, getting back to, um, Snell's report card is that, uh, I feel, I felt like kind of maybe the iPhone got a little bit of short shrift in that report card because, uh, because everybody was ooing and eyeing over the max, um, which, you know, is understandable, but the, I think that the, the design change is, is awesome. I mean, I think moving back to the straight sides, which is a weird thing for me because I don't think I liked them when the iPhone four came out. Um, but I, now I love them and I was, you know, thrilled, particularly moving from the second SE to the 12 mini that, I mean, the, the, just the feel of it is so much nicer with the, with the straight edges. All right. Speaking of straight edges. Um, yeah. <laughs> you also, yeah, which, which I find weird. Okay. Go ahead and introduce this. <laughs> you introduced the story. Uh, so we're talking about the rumors of the the upcoming MacBook Pros that are supposedly right. coming in the third quarter, perhaps. Right. And then we'll we'll include a redesign along with you know, obviously right. the new chips. Right. Uh, it started with Ming Chi Kuo on January fourteenth, 
and then followed up a day later uh, by Mark Gurman at uh, Bloomberg, and then Gurman a week a week again a week later had even more information. I found it odd that both of them described the redesign as having straight edges. That's what I thought too. Like I mine, you know, looking at this laptop here, it kind of already has straight edges, and it, is it just going to be thicker so that the edges go down further? Which I don't. Why would people want that? I don't. I'm not exactly. I'm not exactly sure what that was supposed to. How that's supposed to play out. I think that they're both describing it poorly. What I and yeah. again, I have zero zero little birdie information on this at all. All I'm doing is reading what German and Ming-Chi Kuo wrote and extrapolating from what I perceive as Apple's design trends overall. And I think what they mean is that the top and bottom will be flat. And so the sort of belly design of MacBooks is going mm. away. And yeah. so it would be like a, a truly more like a book where you right. could rest something on top of it, put close your or MacBook a current, or a current iPad with, with like a lid. Yeah. Like a current, yeah. Or like an iPad in the, in the smart uh, keyboard case, right? Yeah. That it's, right. it's a more geometrically perfect, you know, just a flat surface on the top and bottom. Yeah. Which to me, that's what I think they mean because the, str- the the sides already are flat. Right. On this, on right. these things, that's the crazy part of, and they both describe them the same way, which is very strange. But I think that once you see it, and and my guy, I, I'm not, you know, I don't have a, a rendering here to show you, but I think that once we see it, it'll it'll look weird at first because we haven't had flat topped MacBooks. I mean, ever as to my recollection, I don't think Apple's ever made a well, laptop with a uh, perfectly oh, the, no the titanium. Was probably the closest they got, right? Yeah, yeah. Maybe the titanium was, um, but even the ones like, like, let's say, like the uh, there have been some that have had more of a and a good comparison is just to the back of the iPad, right? Like the remember the original yeah. iPad had was like a rocker, a huge kind of a big curve, yeah, yeah, a very big curve, and Apple has long used that sort of curved back surface shape to disguise how thick to, to create the illusion <laughs> of a thinner device than it actually yeah. is. And it works. Right. It actually does work where you really only realize how thick the original iPad is. Once you get, you compare it to like a brand new one with the flat and you're like, Oh my God, the original iPad was fat. Why did I think this was so amazingly thin when I got it? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking at a picture of a titanium power book and, you can see, I mean, it would be kind of cool. To, it, it obviously wouldn't be nearly as thick, right? Um, but that—that's you know, again, like the uh, the iPhone 12s. It would—it's a nice design choice. Yeah, I think once we see it, we'll, it'll make the all the existing ones look fat and yeah. make them feel fat. <laughs> I do. Um, that's what I think they're talking about, <laughs> and you're I, making it sound like it's going to hurt their feelings. Well, I, they they use those curves not because they think they're good, but because again, I, I think it's entirely a trick to make the overall device seem slimmer than it really is. And yeah. and the best way to look at it is the iMac, right? So the iMacs now there's there've been like the current overall design of the iMac has had like two eras. There was the one where it was an inch thick, even at the edges, right at the edge of the display, it was still like an inch thick. And then they redesigned it like five years, five, six years ago to mm-hmm. come come to 
almost to a, a point. Yeah, yeah. Like a point, you know, and I forget what they said when they described it, but they, they really made it seem as though that's how thick the whole iMac was. Whereas, you know, <laughs> the, the belly part of the back really gets thick by the time it gets to the middle, but it, you know, but it is, it definitely looks sleeker than the ones that were thick all the way to the edges. Mm-hmm. Apparently, that's another one of German's reports was that the uh, the new iMac will be flat across the back as well, and that also confirms to me what he's talking about with the the with MacBooks the laptops. Yeah, right, right. That they won't be any curve on the back, and it's you know it's it's not even. I don't think it's a sign of. I think Apple would have gone flat years ago if they could have, but they didn't because they couldn't. You know right. that that they internally know that that's more aesthetically pleasing, but that for the size of the components and the amount of cooling they need, they couldn't. And now that these machines are so much cooler, they can, oh, yeah. they can go smaller. Right. Right. And that was, that was the thing that, you know, I mean, it didn't stop me from buying this laptop, obviously, because I, right. I, I was working on a 2016 MacBook pro and uh, I was pretty much done with it. Right. Well, <laughs> it was getting slow enough and the keyboard was bugging me enough that um, I was ready for a new device and but at the same time, I was thinking eh, they're gonna <laughs> they're gonna change the form factor. I know they're gonna do that, and I'm gonna I'm gonna be looking at the new ones that come out and being envious of those. But I decided to go ahead and pull the trigger. Right yeah. Now. Well, both of them, both Quo and uh, German, are saying Q3 at the earliest, which would yeah. be after July. So if you need a new computer, I I wouldn't have yeah. these yeah. rumors do sound good. Um, but if you need a and new these computer are just now, the pros right. Supposedly. And then German had a report that there's a a new redesigned MacBook Air that would be the end of next year or 2022. So I I think that's so early because they just came out with a brand new MacBook Air. You know, I think it makes – and, you know, so the timing makes sense that if German's information is accurate, it makes sense that it would be come out like one year after the current MacBook Air or even later. Um so the other thing that's interesting about these rumors, other than the shape, is the they both say the touch bar is gone and replaced with function keys, which I find very odd. So there's the – what are the – touch bar gone, MagSafe comes back, and mm-hmm. it's like some kind and of – possibly other ports? And SD, SD uh, slot. I don't – I mean I missed Mag, miss MagSafe a bit. Um, I didn't – miss it that much though with the with the MacBook Pro because, because I liked being able to plug it in on either side. I thought that was a nice trade-off or good enough trade-off for me. Um now this Air only has two ports and they're <laughs> on one side. I wish they were on opposite sides, but it's okay. I'll live with it. <laughs> um one of my questions, let me let's, let's take these in order. So MagSafe coming back. I would say hooray. Um, wouldn't you? I, yeah, I, miss I mean, MagSafe. like I said, like, I, I mean, I, I didn't miss it. I didn't miss it all that much. I missed it. Okay. I did. I, I didn't usually have a big problem with like kicking a, because I, the way I, the way I, I like to operate is I, I like to have <laughs> 12 plugs all over the house. <laughs> so any desk or table that I sit down to, I can plug in the device. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I usually have like two or three, um, but, and so I don't, I have them situated so that they're like draped over the back of the, the desk for the different desks that I sit right. at. 
Um, and so I'm never concerned about like kicking a cord and having the laptop go flying. It's happened once or twice to me since, but the the thing that's a little bit more unusual about MagSafe coming back now, but having gone away when it did, is that the M the biggest difference with the M1 and Intel is that the battery lasts so much longer. Yeah. So that you really don't need to you be, don't need to plug it in as much, right? And so the and the places where you're likely to be plugged in, like at your desk, I, I would guess most people have a desk setup where the the plug isn't kickable, right? It's sort of like yeah. that's like a coffee table situation or working at temporarily at the kitchen counter situation, like the type of situations where MagSafe seems the most uh, applicable because the the power plug or you know or or, or the airport situation. Uh, remember airports, <laughs> right? But you know, hey, I got a seat with a power plug over there, and yeah. I can plug my yeah. thing in. But now, you know, somebody might roll their suitcase over the cord. But it's still better than better than not having it. I like it. But my big question, and neither of them answer it, is okay. Let's say they bring it back, and and both, or at least one of them, had a report that it's not like the phone's MagSafe, where right. it's like low powered magnetic. It's high power, high watt. Right, because you can't do like eighty-seven watt charging with the phone's MagSafe. Like, in fact, yeah. the phone's MagSafe is lower than even plugged-in Lightning, let alone high-capacity USB-C. Um, so, so it will probably look something like what it used to be. Right, it's not going to be just like a. I mean, the first thing that I envision is like, well, maybe they're going to do it differently, and it'll be like the pencil charges on the iPad. But it's probably not that. You know, where I, it's just it's just a magnet and it connects. No, so it's I, probably going to be like some sort of exposed pins and a magnet. I think it has to be to do the yeah. high watt charging, right? Um, and I don't think that low watt charging makes sense for a MacBook. It's their yeah. the batteries are too big. You know, yeah. it's you don't charge. You know, it'll take too long, right? But my big question is: uh, Let's say it's true and they bring back MagSafe. Uh, does USB C still work to charge too? And I would think the answer is yes, even though neither of them mention it. Because, for example, with the iPhone, you can charge magnetically on the back yeah. or plug lightning in. Right. Because it would stink that, okay, let's say you've already got USB-C <laughs> chargers all around your house. Right. And now you buy this new <laughs> like thing. Me. Now you've got this new thing and it has MagSafe, which is cool, but it comes with only one MagSafe charger, hopefully. <laughs> Right. Hopefully, it comes with the charger. Um, <laughs> but now, when you carry it into your kitchen, and there's USB chargers right there, if you plugged in USB C, even though it has MagSafe that you could use, if you plug in USB C, why wouldn't that work too? I mean, yeah. I, hopefully, I don't know. It's a little bit weird that, to me that that they bring back MagSafe at the point where the battery lasts as long as it does. But okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, I you know, I think it's good right? because I think in general people liked MagSafe and I think more people miss it than not. Right. Uh, bringing back the SD card slot, again, a little bit surprising to me. Yeah. Um, because I, I, I kind of agree with the argument that they took the SD card slots out too early, that people were still using them. But I kind of feel like they've waited it out to this point and that people are using them less and less. And it's, you know, if anything, of all these things that you might need a, a peripheral for, like a dongle, SD card slot has always felt to me like it's pretty fair. And I know, that, you know, I, I know that there are some people who really, 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 really want a built-in SD card slot. 
but I just, you know, maybe I'm being selfish because I don't use one that frequently. Yeah, I don't either. But yeah, it's hard not to see a couple of these things as possibly, you know, and the timing sort of works out mm -hmm. with, you know, mm -hmm. where I'm going with this, right? <laughs> a guy named, remember the uh, Johnny Ive? <laughs> Vaguely. <laughs> he was a, a designer at Apple. Uh, I, you know, it, yeah, it's it's right. hard not to draw the conclusion that maybe Johnny Ives leaving Apple and the return of things like MagSafe and SD mm -hmm. card slots uh, are related. Has something to do with each other, yeah. I mean, it could be a coincidence, you know, but it's that both of those seem like backtrackings to me. It, 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 yeah, well, they are right. I mean, it, I mean, literally. <laughs> but it's you know, I mean, it would be different if if they had made devices that didn't fit them at all, right? Like, literally, were so thin that they couldn't make a MagSafe connector that would fit the device, right? Yeah. And you know, I, I'm I, I've spoken to people at Apple. I really do think that. The, the headphone jack thing is really is about space. And it's not that they couldn't make phones that had a headphone jack, but that by taking the headphone jack out, it saves a significant amount of space because headphone jacks, uh, it's not just the, the diameter of the jack, it's how far into the device they go. Uh, and that, that is, it, it, you know, in the annual design war of, what goes into the next generation iPhones, that amount of volume is a huge amount of turf inside an iPhone. I, MagSafe, to me, they've never made a MacBook that doesn't have room for MagSafe. So I, it, it yes. really felt yeah. like it felt like an aesthetic decision. I mean, and to me, the most aesthetic decision they've ever made on that front was the, the, just plain no adjective 12 inch MacBook that literally only had one one port or I guess two it had a uh, one USB C port and one headphone jack and that's it right because that it's it really felt spiteful I mean it's just <laughs> it really did it, it you know and and if it had been one USB C port and MagSafe that would be different right and you could still see the argument that hey I would like two USB ports you know. But not being able to charge the device while you use any USB-C peripheral really <laughs> is uh, it, it, it's almost incomprehensible. It, it's, and it's hard not to think that it was a purely aesthetic decision driven by Johnny Ives' team, you know, because it certainly doesn't seem – it wasn't a functional decision. It, it's incredibly impractical. It always yeah. was. It, it's there's no, almost not much to say about it. Like you know, two ports really seems like the minimum, especially if those ports are the charging ports. I mean, I think yeah, Johnny. I mean, Johnny's idea was that everybody would do things over the air and not right. like so you could charge because you wouldn't have anything plugged into his. <laughs> <laughs> right? Why would you plug anything in his beautiful laptop? Yeah, why not just have no ports at all and you could just use the charge that it comes from the factory with until yeah. <laughs> and then throw it out and buy and, a new one. And, <laughs> and well, put it on your shelf. <laughs> and it's quite frankly more attractive when it's closed. File your bathroom. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Turn it off and close it up. <laughs> You've walked. I was trying to remember what the original MacBook Air came with in terms of ports. Um MagSafe and two USB, I think. 
That sounds right. Yeah. The touch bar going away is also very interesting. Yeah. And I, I've long espoused from the get go through now. And now that I'm using a, a, a MacBook Pro with the touch bar, uh, I, I am so neutral on the touch bar. It's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. I think I am as, as well. I don't I, hate it. Um, but I also don't. I basically configured it as a control strip anyway. So it's, I'm not really using it as I think Apple thinks that you should use it. Right. And I, I totally get it that there are other people, I, and I know it's just, it's very divisive. There are some people who truly hate it, really, really hate it. And I believe them. I believe that they hate it. And therefore, it's super frustrating to them that it's not configurable, that you can't do a build to order and get a 16 inch MacBook Pro that does not have the touch bar. Um, cause that, you know, that would, I, I sympathize. I know I have strong opinions about certain things. I don't about the touch bar, but all things considered, if I could configure it, if I could have the exact same MacBook right now with or without the touch bar, I would probably take the touch bar. I, I, I think I yeah. like it better than the function keys. I do. Mm. Now that they have the escape key, the escape key was the thing yeah. that, that absolutely that, that, that me. never really bothered me that much. I, I, you, I, it turns out I use the escape key more than I thought. And I don't use, yeah. I don't use VI, uh, but I use it more than I thought. And it, it yeah. really bothered me. Okay. Uh, I also personally find that the fraction of an inch, like it's like a 16th of an inch, maybe even less than a 16th of an inch, that they moved the touch bar up past the number row, you know, the one, two, three, four row of keys. Mm -hmm. totally eliminated my occasional accidental touches of the touch bar. Okay. But okay. once again, it I, I know that it's very hard to see that difference, but on the original ones, I did run into that problem once in a while, and I no longer do. But I understand that other people might type faster and more sloppily than I do or with bigger fingers and that they still run into that problem. Um, but it's... I can't. If this is true that they're going to come out with just get rid of the touch bar across the line with the 16 inch and the 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 truly pro pro 13 inch MacBook Pros, I'm fascinated to see what they say about it because this that seems isn't that like you think they'll say anything? Yeah, I think they won't say anything. Just just pretend like it was never a thing. Just pretend it never existed. Just never existed. I wonder. <laughs> So maybe, maybe that's, you know, on stage or if, I don't know if we'll have on stage by the third quarter, but, you know, in the video, mm -hmm. you know, in their, in their prepared show to unveil them, I can imagine that they won't even mention it, um, but they're going to get asked about it. So I'm curious what then their answer will be. Even off the record, you know, in a press briefing type thing, I'm sure they'll come up with something. Yeah, yeah, right. But if it's true, that's a real backtracking, and I'm a little surprised. I I don't know. In the back of my head, I thought, hmm, okay, clearly, even if I don't mind the touch bar, there's enough people who hate it where this is a problem, and therefore right. they need to do something. But I would have thought the solution is to come up with a second-generation touch bar that solves the problems people have and makes it compelling. Okay, how do mm -hmm. we make this more compelling? Because fundamentally, the basic idea that I see is that a row of twiddly little function keys is so un-Apple-like. 
it, it's it's unesthetic. It's you know it's kind of gross in my opinion. And you can say, well, but it works, right? But it's like <laughs> it. I don't know. Like why? I'm, why would you? Why do you use that word "gross"? I don't. I, it's gross. <laughs> I, I'm. I, I'm. A, I'm in that tune. Seems like a little bit of an, an exaggeration. No, I think it's gross. I, I don't know. There's some. It's like gross is maybe a strong word, but it is. It's gross. It's gross and fiddly in in the way that like a text mode in a computer boot sequence is gross and fiddly. Like when you used to boot up a Windows PC and you'd see all this DOS crap flying by telling you it's loading auto exec bat dot 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 and then all then you get the Windows logo, right? And now you're in graphical mode. And there's a reason why Macs never have never booted with like a stream of DOS like text before you see the, the graphical interface of an Apple logo or the Mac logo or whatever they boot with. It's gross. And function keys are gross in that spectrum. And, and and it also is so I'm I, the, here's an area where like all right I think like hey getting rid of MagSafe putting only one USB C port on a MacBook I'm I'm you've gone too far Johnny Ive the function keys I'm I'm totally aligned with Johnny <laughs> Ive they're gross and they should have there should be something better what, what, what I, I but you you I'm assuming you do not agree with the with the arrow keys though I, no I could no I definitely I I. I hate I hated the uh, full height left and right arrow keys. I re- I yeah. felt I felt so strong about them that when I was using a Mac with those, I literally put uh, pieces of gaff tape on the left right keys so that I could feel them, which is really gross. I had little yeah. pieces of tape on my keys, right? So I get it, right? Well, that's got. I mean, I kind of feel like though that there's a there's a minimum amount of like functional usage that. You have to live with, uh, I mean, a level of quote grossness right. unquote. I mean, and that's a that's an example. I I I, f- I am perfectly fine with the air the um, function keys. Frankly, I mean, I I feel like you know Johnny would have preferred if all the keys were the same size. So like <laughs> like like you'd have a square space bar. Oh yeah yeah. <laughs> the tab key is just the size of a cube. Like, like why is the space bar so large? <laughs> It's unseemly. And just arrange them all in a perfect grid. <laughs> it's so much easier. It's so much easier on the eyes. Your, right. your, fing- yeah. your fingers will adjust. Um, yeah. I don't know. I can't think of a better, a better example than a computer that boots up with some kind of diagnostic bootloading text yeah. first. It's it's honest. It's just unesthetic, and function keys are that type of thing. And you know, Steve Jobs had feelings like this too, right? There's a famous story of somebody who had like my beloved Apple extended keyboard too, and wanted Jobs to sign it. And he's like, "What are all these keys? Do I have all these keys on it?" And he started prying off the guy's <laughs> keys, and then he signed his name on the back. But you know, why doesn't Apple ship keyboards with 110 keys anymore, even the big ones? Because it, the extra keys are they're gross. To some, you know, a little gross. Just a little gross, you know. It's like one, you know. I don't know. I think, I think it's not like a whole, you know, like somebody <laughs> dropped a bag of barber hair in your food. But it's like finding a hair in your food, you know. It's just a little gross. Uh, so I get it. Like, I think there's there's a general aesthetic. And part of it's marketing. And part of it, I think, is just not getting it. But I just saw an ad from Microsoft. I think it was when I was watching football on Sunday. Um, 
where they had like a, a teenage kid talking about why he wanted a Surface instead of a Mac laptop. And he was saying, like, look, they get Apple gives you a little this little touch thing up here. Microsoft gives me a whole touch screen. And I I I know that, you know, if you if you have a touch screen and Apple doesn't, that's a way you can market it. And they've been trying that for years. Um so I I don't blame them for marketing it that way, but i I've, I've seen reviewers talk about this too, that thinking that the touch bar is Apple's answer to putting a touch screen on the Mac. And if why not just make the whole screen a touchscreen? I we don't definitely don't have time for me to reiterate yeah. my opposition to that. <laughs> but I am I'm a hundred percent convinced that that has nothing to do with why they have a touchscreen or a touch bar. Why they tried the touch bar? The touch bar wasn't okay. People want some kind of touchscreen. We don't want to make the top screen touch, so we'll give them this. I think it's basically function keys are some ancient idea from 1973s you know, terminal computers, they're gross. It's ridiculous. And even though we've repurposed them all from traditional functions to dedicated things yeah. like, Hey, here's one for brightness. Here's two for, or I guess three, yeah. three for volume up, down, well, mute. Yeah. And so I guess that's what I would, I mean, and that's how I use them. And that's why I configured the touch bar right. like that. And I would be, I mean, I'm looking at, I'm sitting in between an ancient, almost ancient macbook um the the unibody plastic macbook that's what i usually record on and i keep i change nothing so that my recordings work because i know my recordings work and i have this laptop and i'm not using it for anything else and so i record all my podcasts on that on that laptop and it which is great and then i have the this you know new macbook air and the i would say the icons on the MacBook are better because they are much more oriented. I mean, the, like the the function is larger. You know, like the this stop, start, whatever, sleep. I mean, all those those icons are larger, and then the F numbers are smaller and in the corner. Um, I would I would even go so far as to like remove the F numbers. I don't think I ever use right. the F numbers personally. And but the and on. on the air, they're smaller, but they're in the middle, which makes them a little bit more prominent. Um, and I think they actually look better the old way. But anyway, I, w- um, I mean, like I say, like I was, I would think that it would be better to just have the like the new functions on them and not have the F numbers on them at all. Although I guess lots of people still use the F. But it it numbers. it it gets exactly to Steve Jobs's explanation of why the iPhone only had a home button. It back in 2007, mm-hmm. where it's like, look, all these other smartphones have all these buttons at the bottom, and it takes up all this space, and and they can only do one thing. Once you put like a green button for a, make a phone call and a red button for hang up a phone phone call, and it's a hardware button, that space is always occupied by those buttons. And you might come up, maybe you make the device, and then you come up with new ideas, and you. you you can't add buttons, you know, and, and we have it. We've we figured out we already have a solution to this. It's called software. And if we made the whole screen a touch screen, we could do it all in software. But that that argument fits. Like, so you've got all of these buttons. Like, I I never I almost never play music on my Macs ever. I just if I play music, I play it on HomePods or I listen to it on my iPhone. I I can't tell you the last time I've used the play, pause, fast forward buttons on the keyboard. I mean, like ever, I, and going back to when they first added dedicated buttons for it, I never use them. 
So why are they there? I'm always looking at them. What about the weird button on F4 where it's like, what happens if I, I don't even know what happens. Oh, it goes to the, uh, what's that thing called? That's the, the alternative launch screen. Oh yeah. Uh, I've never used it. So I don't even know what it's called. Um, I don't. I don't even know what it's called. Launchpad. Launch yeah, launchpad. So there's a dedicated button on my keyboard for launchpad. Now I could go in and use keyboard maestro or something in system preferences and make that button do something else, but I can never get the glyph removed from the keycap, right? <laughs> and then the one for uh, the all Windows mode, it's like it, it's an ugly looking icon with a bunch of rectangles in weird spots. <laughs> It's gross. The whole thing is gross. And the touch bar, and I, I'm convinced the whole point of the touch bar was, all right, let's take this fiddly old thing from the 1970s yeah. and let's do some, what's a new idea? And okay, it wasn't good enough. I, I'm just surprised that they're not coming back with like touch bar 2.0. Well, and I thought they would have done that before now, right? I mean, I thought if they, I thought, oh, they, they would re- introduce this new thing. It's software based. They will iterate it, and you know, even if it's clunky, like the watch, even if it's a little clunky to begin with, it'll be good by the next version. And then there never really was a next, you know, much right. of a next version anyway. Yeah, they made some very small changes to it, um, and I could not get used to the idea. I mean, I understand the the concept for the phone. It, it's it's a little bit more obvious on the phone though i guess the in, when the entire interface changes but i never wanted to get i never wanted to get into the the business of configuring the touch bar for different applications no me neither because i found that i found that crazy confusing like i'm now i'm in a different application and the touch bar behaves completely differently yeah i don't either i almost i, I yeah. will admit i almost never use it and i just use it for volume and brightness and yeah so that's what yeah i mean that's why i changed it to a control strip and that's what i what i used it for. yeah uh but i the other thing for me is i just never look down there even though i'm right there using it and in, in the flow using my mac for hours i'm like staring at the screen and i'm typing on the keyboard and it just never even occurs to me to look there and every once in a while i'm using an app and it's like hey there's something i might want to use there you know like sometimes you you'd be typing in a password and it'll have like a couple of uh, email addresses to choose from for filling in a form. It's like, hey, that's actually kind of easy. I didn't even realize that was there because I never look at it. Yeah. I don't know. I, it's just interesting to me if it's true that they're just getting just saying, you know what, we're calling it quits on this thing. Uh, it's it's hard to think of something they've backtracked so far on, right? Because it's different when you backtrack on, okay, we took out built-in SD card slots. Now we're putting it back in. And they can just say, look, we didn't have room for them for a couple of years. Now, we, you know, because of the M1 or the M2 or whatever they're up to by the time these machines come out, uh, it's so space, it's so small and so space efficient. We have room to add SD card slots. Um, they're back and it's, you can sell it. Whereas the, and you could, and they could even spin it that way with MagSafe. You know that the, we've come back with MagSafe three, and it's better than ever. But the Touch Bar is going to be a tough one to spin. You know, other yeah. than that's why I think that's why I think they won't mention. Yeah, that, but, other than just saying, well, you know, <laughs> didn't work out. Didn't work out. <laughs> uh, anything else from these rumors uh, that that jumps out to you? Um, it's. So the, the, the sizes, I think the sizes they mentioned were like a 14 and 16 inch yeah. MacBook Pro, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, well, the, the weird, which makes sense. Uh, yeah, the weird thing about the 14 inch is it seems they've talked about a 14 inch for years. Yeah, it's been rumored for so long, and it has not appeared. And that's the part where I, it's like, gee, I wish it was my job, and I had all the time all day that I could look it up and do the claim chowder on this. And I, so I guess I should. Um, that's the thing that throws the hey, wait a minute, aren't you the guys who told me the 14 inch was coming <laughs> two years ago? <laughs> You know, it's like where where did that come from? I, I, I you yeah. know, I, I, there's you know, it's sort of like the way that this game works, where there's some where there's smoke, there's fire, and I guess somebody in the supply chain was started working on 14 inch laptop screens for Apple, and somebody else grossly misinterpreted <laughs> when yeah. they might be coming. Um, my guess is, I mean, I could see them moving. I could see them moving to a 12 inch Air, 14 inch, and 16 inch Pros, but. Well, and the, 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 I'm not sure if that's necessary either. Well, the, the 15 inch to 16 inch transition for the MacBook Pro, I think is exactly what's going to happen with this 13 to 14 inch, where I don't think they're going to make a bigger footprint. I think they'll just reduce the bezel size even further and it'll be round up to 14 instead of 13 inches. Yeah. Uh, I think German's report said that there's some, and some talk about reducing the bezel size on the 13 inch MacBook Air keeping the display at 13 inches, but reducing the bezels and therefore making the footprint smaller, smaller. Um, which kind of makes sense. It's because it kind of makes sense that the air would be actually have a smaller footprint than the, right. the MacBook pro. Right. I was, I was actually surprised because so the previous errors that I've had have been the um, 10, 11 inch, 11 inch, right? 11. Yeah. 11 um, was the old tiny one. Yeah. And um, this is, so this is my first 13 inch, air and i was kind of surprised at the bulk of it really i mean, I was thinking oh it's an air it's going to be much smaller and you know much um or much lighter than my macbook pro my 13 inch macbook pro but it doesn't really feel that no way. no it's hardly it's hardly smaller at all it it, it, yeah. it is it it because it tapers it does have the, the tremendous advantage that i've still never got i haven't had a macbook air in years but once I got used to the ability to feel it coming out of my bag by touch, I never, ever put it down in front of me wrong. Whereas now yeah. I always, uh, half the time, and it's that damn Apple logo. And I, I agree that yeah. it's oriented the right way. But now that I can't do it by feel, I see the Apple logo and I put it down in front of me, hinged towards me. And it's like, ah, I put it down, you know, how many years am I going to go while I do this? But it's it's 2.8 pounds versus 3.0 pounds so it's hardly lighter it's actually thicker in the back like the back of the macbook air is actually ever so slightly thicker than the back of the macbook pro they're very oddly similarly sized for a device whose name implies that it's smaller yeah yeah what did you so you got the air right that's your m1 yeah yeah, yeah. um so how do you like it so far i know you only had it today uh yeah like thursday yeah i got a thursday um i love it i mean i'm glad i'm more pleased with it than the the pro i think um i mean the keyboard is really <laughs> it's really the big thing i never had the huge problems with the with the keyboard the old butterfly um keyboard but i never really liked the the fact that it had such low travel yeah i um, i never and i really i really hated the arrow keys yeah the arrow keys were what killed me and yeah. i 
I got used to the travel and I never bought ones. I only ever used review units for, you know, a month or two at a time. But I, you know, it took a while to get used to the type, you know, a while, like days. And then I got used to it. And, but it's like, oh, this is so much better. This is such a better dial it back, yeah. you know. And again, I don't think it's backtracking. I think this is sort of like, it's just better. This is just better. Yeah. It's just sort of dialing it in at, you know, a little bit too far. Mm-hmm. Ah, just right. You right. Know. Right. Yeah. Uh, the arrow keys, I, I could never get used to. Like I told you, I, I went so far as to yeah. put tape on them so I could f- feel them somehow. Yeah. Uh, and I was clear, I didn't really know that one of the things that I have used the touch bar for was um, sleep. Um, or not, not sleep, but locking the screen. Right. Because um, you can add a button for locking the screen. And I did not realize that the power button on the um, the air does that now. Yeah. If you just do a, do a tap, or not a tap, but one push, it locks the screen yeah the funny thing what's the funny thing oh i know the i still can't get used to it and it's so hard it's like you now that any key turns on your mac you know that if you power it down you can turn it on by like just like hitting any key hmm. it, I, I don't know that i powered it down yeah <laughs> yeah you probably never will <laughs> but it's it makes it hard well yeah i mean i'm probably gonna do it a lot less it makes it makes it hard to clean the keys because you <laughs> you have to like do it while the That's screen's right. on and locked. Um, yeah, yeah. But I think that the explanation, and again, it's one of those things that you, Apple's never going to say on the record, and I've never gotten anybody off the record to say, yeah, that's the problem. But now that the button doesn't have the power logo on it, people didn't know how to turn the Mac on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know if they could do that or not. And it's like, I don't know if they don't want to. If they, you know, like if the, the, the power logo would it, get in the way of the fingerprint sensor. Or if they just think it's more aesthetic this way, they should write it on the top, on the on the edge of the the laptop, but that's in between the key right. and the screen. But it's and have an arrow pointing down to this, just as power. <laughs> <laughs> you know, since Johnny's gone, yeah. Or just put a sticker on it. You know, <laughs> put a put a sticker on the side with an arrow. Get rid of all the, all the function keys and just put stickers. <laughs> You can because you can replace stickers. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that's maybe that is <laughs> the answer. If you if you decide that the key should be something else later, just give send out another sticker. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I've said this before. When I was in high school, I learned to type on manual typewriters, not electric, not oh, yeah. just typewriters. Oh, yeah. I'm talking manual yeah. clackety clack typewriters. And I was in seventh grade, and I weigh I weighed about eighty seven pounds, and I was <laughs> my entire torso was about as thick as a as a power power cable. I was a very skinny kid. And my pinky my pinky fingers weren't strong enough to to pr- I could I couldn't I could press the A and the semicolon keys and the Q and the Z and the other ones you're supposed to do with your pinky, but they I couldn't press them hard enough to actually get a letter to show up. So it would look like I hit space. And uh, and but we had these uh we had this room classroom full of manual typewriters that had no keycaps. They were all blank because they were specifically meant. For- oh, because you, yeah, you were supposed to learn how to touch. Right, them, yeah. and uh, they, you know, I feel like they could go that route, you know, for the Johnny Ive, you know, crowd, you know. Sure, yeah. Just right. print these keyboards up. It would look a lot better too. Yeah. Just blank, all blank. Keyboards. I think uh, the DOS keyboard company, DAS, you know, like the German DOS. Oh yeah. Uh, I think they sell a keyboard that that's like that for the aesthetically purists, you know. Yeah. Yeah, uh, the black black turtleneck <laughs> crowd, you know. Uh, anything? Else? Oh, so what's not in the new ones? Uh, last but not least, is that apparently there's no Face ID and no cellular networking 
in, in according to these rumors from Ming Chi Kuo and Mark Gurman. The face ID, the cellular, I'm not surprised because I feel like the story on that is very complicated. And the, I just wish my Mac could have cellular like my iPad does is, I, I feel like the answer is more complicated than that. But again, Apple doesn't really like to explain it. The face ID thing is a little bit more disappointing to me, especially for the I, yeah. iMac where it seems like that would be a natural. Right. Uh, so I can't, I can't imagine why the iMac doesn't have face ID seems very weird because if it doesn't have face id that might mean it doesn't have any biometric authentication because i think that there is some kind of uh uh cryptographic problem yeah you can't do it in a in a non-connected key right program. right so you can't do it for reasons i don't i don't think i understand and don't even want to try to speculate on but you can't just make a bluetooth keyboard with it on and, and right. Well, it's the same problem, and that's why you know it's the same thing with uh, it's it's a handshake between the the sensor and the whatever that chip is. I can't remember the, the secure head. enclave. The secure enclave, right. yeah, right. Um, and that's why they you know that they, they had that whole thing where people were incensed because uh, they weren't letting third parties repair right. Um, right. Do certain repairs right. because it would it would disconnect those right. those two, and that would ruin the handshake. Right. And so I don't know. You know, I don't, we'll see if the rumors pan out. But I, I hold out hope, not because I again, not because I have any info, but just boy, it would be nice for the IMAX to have t- you know Face ID. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Other handful of rumors. There's somebody you know people are saying they're going to actually make a, a display that costs a standalone display that costs less than five thousand dollars. <laughs> I'll believe it when I see it. <laughs> you know how like we always remember we always remember Craig Federighi's first ever on stage appearance when it, it the, his hand was shaking on the mouse. <laughs> yeah. uh, I I feel like the John Turnus equivalent of that. It wasn't the first time we saw John Turnus who just got a promotion to head of uh, senior as senior vice president of hardware across the company. Hardware. Um, right. But to me, the Turnus moment is the at WWDC 2019 when they introduced he introduced the XDR display and said that the stand cost a thousand dollars. Yeah, and uh, I don't know, like you, you well. You were watching remotely, right? Uh, all, yeah, oh, yeah. And it was it yeah. was obvious even on the stream that it got a, a poor reaction, right? I mean, right. <laughs> but in the room, it was it was like you know I don't know how somebody could fart so bad that all five <laughs> five thousand people in the room could smell it, but that was what it was like. <laughs> I know, yeah, and I don't know how you. Um... I mean, if, given that that's that was the fact, that was the price. I'm not exactly sure how you introduce that price and and <laughs> make it seem more palatable. Well, really. or how how did they not see that coming? Right? I right. I think if there is such a thing as a thousand dollar display stand, that Apple made it. I it is a tr- truly tremendous piece of kit. And now that they're in the field, it doesn't seem like anybody is saying, "Hey, I got it," and now my display droops. It's worn out already. I mean. If there is yeah. such a thing as a thousand dollar display stand, <laughs> I think that's it. But it to me, it only makes sense in the context of this is the big brother to this. The I don't know what the reasonably priced standalone five K display is, but let's say the whole display, including a built in stand, is fifteen hundred dollars. Yeah, you know, 
and it's great and it's 5k and it's just like our iMac display and it does all the HDR cool stuff and it's super thin and it's, it's really nice. Uh, and for the pros out there, we've got this pro display XDR that's $5,000 and has a thousand dollar stand, but it all goes over better if there's like, well, Oh yeah, that's cool. You know? Right. Right. You know, it's, yeah, it's the, it's the, it's the crazy expensive model and you can move up. Right. Yeah. It's the, you know, like the, the gold watch. (laughs) And that's the only watch we have. Right. (laughs) The Apple watch eight, it comes in one model. We've simplified it. It's called, (laughs) and it's solid gold and it costs $20,000. Right. It's the Apple watch announcement comes out real differently. If the edition was the only version. (laughs) And that's, but that's their display story at the moment, right? The only display they sell is effectively yeah. the Apple Display Edition, you know. So, right. Hopefully that right. that will come to pass. But otherwise, maybe they should have called it. They should have called it that. And they, you know, maybe should have made it gold. Yeah, sure. <laughs> or an option. Yeah, at least it's hard to believe that that's not an option. Gold, gold plated. <laughs> uh, any anything else? I think that's about it. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's the there's the the um, Tim Cook spoke at a privacy. Oh yeah, yeah. I didn't watch that yet. I I, I read the remarks. Yeah. I'm, I do want to watch it. Yeah, though. I read it. I read it on Six Colors as well. Hmm. Um, and it was interesting because I thought I read I had seen a bunch of people say, "Oh, he really stuck it to Facebook," and it's interesting. And he did, but he also didn't mention Facebook by name. Right. <laughs> and so it's just sort of funny that it's obvious that like all, all these comments about the horrible things that that people are doing. Oh, that's Facebook. It does seem like Facebook and Apple are going into a cold war, like, and it yeah. is escalating. And yeah. uh, they're much more, much more at odds than, you know, say Apple and Microsoft. Yeah. Or even Apple and Google. Right. And yeah, I guess, right. you know, it, it probably helps that Google pays $20 billion a year for <laughs> default search placement in Safari. Um, yeah. Or at least they do now. Like, I feel like that is seriously in jeopardy. Uh, regulatory wise going forward. Um, uh, but, and, and Apple doesn't really have any sort of real, the Apple doesn't really benefit from Facebook in any way. You know, Facebook gets a lot more right. from Apple than Apple gets from Facebook insofar as that Facebook has a lot of customers who are using iPhones. Um, and presumably, you know, it's still the case that the average iPhone user is a better demographic advertising-wise than the general public. Um, and so you can see that. And Facebook, you know, they even issued it in their in their results last week. They even issued it as, you know, like one of their, we have to say this, this is, you know, there's negative headwinds or whatever mm-hmm. lingo they use with the ad tracking change, which still has not, for all the publicity about it, the ad tracking identifier change in iOS 14, which was uh, Apple had originally said was intended to ship with iOS 14 in September or October, still hasn't shipped at at because of the resistance to people, you know, like Facebook and Google against it. But it, it, Apple has now said it is coming in the next version of iOS, which is probably uh, 14.5 and probably coming in March. Yeah, and they're saying it's going to cost them money, so. And now, and the other story I saw was uh, that the information had a story that Facebook is preparing an antitrust lawsuit against Apple. Yeah. Which, Good luck with that. Well, that's, it's, 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 isn't that weird? I didn't know that, that 
I guess I guess one company can sue another company for anything. I mean, that's like one of the things oh, yeah. my wife, who is a lawyer, has explained to me about Trump over the years that that you you can <laughs> sue anybody for anything. Like so, you know, making it seem like it's news that so and so got sued for whatever, it doesn't necessarily mean anything. You know, it's like calling somebody a. a Boogerhead doesn't necessarily. Well, yeah, I mean, it's you know, it's like tr- Trump's lawsuits over the election. Right. You know, they, they were like they were like oh for sixty on those. <laughs> right, didn't really amount to a hill of beans, but yeah. uh, I, you know, it's that's I guess that's Facebook's nuclear option. I I really don't see Facebook as having the you know whatever antitrust concerns there are over Apple's control over the platforms, and I know that they're nuanced and many. Uh, I don't think Facebook is on the short end of them. You know, and I guess there's certain areas where they would like to do their own credit card processing, and they ran into a little thing. But it is, they certainly don't have as big a complaint as most people have. You know, who yeah. who, who are who would like to do their own credit card processing? Mm-hmm. Well, it'd be interesting to see how it goes. So, yeah. is the t- Tim Cook video worth watching? I didn't see. I oh, read yeah. the. I read the. the, the, I the yeah. So on Six Colors, they have the yeah. um, text of his comments. So I read yeah. the comments. Yeah. Uh, and I, yeah, and I also saw the thing. Not that I don't like looking at Tim. I mean, Tim, he's a handsome man. Yeah, but I did see the, when I read his remarks, the other thing, it wasn't just about privacy though. It, the, 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 the particular Facebook part was about him saying that, uh, algorithmic driven yeah. social media right. that promotes inflammatory material because it is addictive is a danger to mm-hmm. society, which yeah. is, and he didn't say anything specific, but he's you know he talked about recent events. <laughs> <laughs> I did see also that I haven't watched it either. I, and again, it, it's six days old, so I probably ought to watch it before the next one. But I did see that he was on uh, Fox News Sunday last week to talk about Apple's decision to remove Parler from the App Store. Uh, the oh, okay. that's the show hosted yeah. by uh, Chris Wallace, which is like the. You know, so he's on Fox News, but it's like the sane part of Fox News, right? Um, right. But I've heard that it's good, and you know, and it's you know, you can see why he's on Fox to talk about that. But, uh, but we shall see. Let me thank our sponsors. Our sponsors this week. Oh man, three great sponsors! You really came on on a, on a good week for sponsors. We had Mac Weldon, who makes absolutely fantastic clothes, hoodies, underwear, socks. We had the uh, Squarespace where you can go to make a website and the Tech Meme Ride Home podcast, which if you are in the mood for another podcast, you could listen to right after this. Do you on Parlor? 